great to see things get reappraised in sure. some way. And, and, and physical media is doing this right now. Like there's Letterboxd did a whole uh, article called uh, Hoarders Without Borders is what it's called. <laughs> and it's about the rise, how we're in a physical media golden age right yeah. now. Like the, the, the author was talking about how um, it's like if you had told someone 10 years ago who's a, a Blu-ray or DVD aficionado that like, hey, studios will be releasing um, big, huge combo packs of their like library. That'd be like, that's insane. Or like, yeah. we're doing a whole Fellini collection. That's in, yeah. insane that you're getting all these films on yeah. a, that. That was unheard of. Sure. Uh, eight years ago or whatever. Yeah, I mean, even back then, Criterion wasn't really collecting. No, them. or like they no. had those. Um, what are they called? The uh, the certain, something certain sets, the DVD sets, sets uh, the, that eclipse, they, the eclipse, eclipse sets. sets. Yeah, I have yes. a few of those back sets, home. Yes. But then, when that Bergman box came out, I mean, that was a game that was changer. A big, dude. Yeah, they've got I Bergman, still have that. They've got uh, Agnes Varda. They've got yeah. Fellini. Yeah. Um, not not his full stuff, but like a, a bunch yeah. of Jacques and they're really, releasing that that Pasolini box box soon as well. Yeah. So it's like. It's been interesting just seeing a lot of these people, these artists that are getting yeah. reappraised. Oh, and they have that Godzilla show set. And before that, I mean, it was oh, yeah. impossible to find. Cause all I, those. Well, yeah, because just the rights issues. It was possible to, sorry, not to find them, but to get them all in one set. Yeah, yeah, uh, Because of the rights issues. But yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I respect the hell out of Criterion and, and Arrow and yeah. all, the, all the boutique labels I mean, for, for working hard so hard to get that stuff, you know? Yeah, I mean, speaking of licensing deals, uh, that will deal with some, uh, I have a certain part with today's movie because of music. Oh sure. Uh, there's some music issues with this film. Interesting. That's my segue here <laughs> uh, to American Werewolf London. I am Brand Sparks. I'm David Glenn the Fourth. And this is a Nation podcast. We didn't forget this. Time I know we didn't have the late title the intro. I was, I was like, like, let me not mess it's up. Like this a, time. It's like a Bond movie. We got the little the little ten minute yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, this title is card. this is uh yeah. Skyfall. Or yeah. <laughs> right See, now. now you need to play the Cinnation theme right now. Yeah, right now exactly. <laughs> to like silhouettes of women. Can dancing. we get Adele to do the Cinnation theme? <laughs> That, I mean, we I'll need be, lyrics. Yeah, I don't know what the lyrics of the Cination theme would be. I, got, I think I mentioned this to you. This is off topic. You can cut this if you need to. But uh, <laughs> I think I mentioned this to you. How I listen to everything on two times. So when I listen yes, to this, which it, was insane. Well, to me. one time I listened to this on one times, and I I actually heard the Cination theme how it's supposed to be heard, and I was like, oh wow. Oh, I, that's a pretty good thing. Yeah. <laughs> Because it was like, you know, double time. Yeah, it's very fast. It sounds like you're in a cartoon, like you're in a world when they're like, what's the thing? But now when I listen to podcasts on one time, it sounds like everybody's like talking like this. And it's like, it's crazy to me that. Because anytime somebody hears me listening to it that fast, they're like, are you, are you, can you hear, like, can you understand what they're saying? I'm like, yeah, I, 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 yeah, I haven't heard you do that. And I would be, I would freak out. Yeah. I could. Well, my boss usually hears me because I play it through the the speaker and she's like, how do you, how do you do this? (laughs) You're like, a lot of practice. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I just think every time, ever since I listen to podcasts, I've because you know a lot of people talk slow, especially in interviews, which is mostly what I listen to on yeah. on podcasts. But I wonder because you also speak a little bit faster than I do. Sure, I, well, absolutely. <laughs> so I wonder. Oh, I think my brain just it just moves fast. I yeah. can't. Well, I can't. Yeah. I speak yeah. fast too. Yeah. If 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 my brain is going faster than my mouth is whatever, yeah. I'm just going through. I'm shooting that chewing words correctly. Right. Um. Yeah, that's that's the second part of the banter. Yeah, okay, but now, yeah, now, to, let's, now let's, to the movie. So yeah. this month we've been talking about monster movies, the genre that you picked. We've been talking about. So what did we discuss last week about the monster movie, and specifically, the, specifically discussing Frankenstein? Sure. Yeah, we talked. Yeah, we talked about Frankenstein, nineteen thirty-one, um, James Whale's film, and yeah, we discussed like thematically how Frankenstein is uh, is able to explore like humanity's arrogance mm-hmm. uh kind of this this um idea of um scientific advances right but like how far is too far how far are we going to the point where we're playing god right yeah um and so we were kind of discussing how monster movies can tackle um you know so, some aspect of the human condition um but through this this metaphor of a monster or you know mm-hmm. like that, that idea right and then we also had this kind of question of who's the real monster at the heart of frankenstein right is it is it the doctor or is it the, the monster themselves right yeah 
or, or, the, or the town or the community, right? The, the mob mentality, you know? So yeah. it's like, it's a few different, uh, few different pl- places where you can yeah. point, point the blame. And, right? Yeah, you're saying that the kind of the stronger <laughs> monster movies have thematic stuff sure. going on. It's that we talked about, we briefly talked about, and Thomas and I just talked about recently on the Patreon, briefly when talking about Little Shop, is that like, something like Godzilla, that you just were talking about how like, that was kind of a, a reaction to like the atomic age right. and like uh, Hiroshima and the atomic bomb and, and kind of what happens there. Um, and then, well, and then like jaws and alien are very like, um, not, not satirical. They're uh pointed takes on, ca- on capitalism. Yeah. Capitalism. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we even talked with little shop too. It's a very similar yeah. thing. It's about greed. At the right. end of the day is that you're feeding yeah. this green beast over and over again. Um, and then with with Frankenstein, we've talked about James Well a little bit being a openly gay director right. and how it was kind of discussing the idea of otherness. I think in a weird way too, today's movie because I've read a little, I haven't read that much, but I know one thing that everyone talks about with American World in London today is the idea that like it's like a Jew, like al- a Jewish allegory in some mm. way because Landis being Jewish and um, the the character of David Kessler being being Jewish was a big kind of thing. Um, well, no, they also point out the star, you know. Yes, the, the yes the star as well, uh, the five point star uh, in in the in the bar. So it's kind of the idea that there's there's some sometimes there's this otherness and depend and certain times it's usually these characters that we can somehow sympathize with or empathize with um, with the creature in the Frank and Frankenstein. We're like he he's somewhat of an innocent, and it's the idea of like nature versus nurture with right. him is that he's taught violence so he becomes violent in a way and he doesn't understand society society and society doesn't accept him for who he right. is and they want him to be something else um yeah in a, in a way it explores prejudice as well i guess in, exactly. in that regard yeah. exactly yes um but also one thing in just a technical side we talked about the idea of pra- the, th- oh, yeah, the, absolutely. Idea, the practical effects yeah, and how yeah. practical effects play a big Which part of the plays genre heavily in, in this movie for in sure. this movie for sure is that is the idea in some cases in these, some of these big monster movies they kind of how they push the boundaries of special effects and makeup effects mm-hmm. for their time with today's movie American World from London definitely do so does does so when talking about Rick Baker and his work and Rick Baker basically legend man I mean this is his coming out party yeah. is basically what it is um, and ends up running th- I mean multiple Oscar wins uh, throughout his career and did multiple genres if it's horror if it's comedy with like Nutty Professor. Or how the Grinch stole Christmas. Uh, I know we'll talk about this uh, maybe a little bit. Is it like like he does Thriller for Michael Jackson right. and uh, which is also John Landis. Landis. Yeah, yeah. And I think Elmer Bernstein did some of the score for like the the like creepy effects in Thriller. And oh. essentially, this movie was what my, why Michael Jackson hired them for for Thriller. I don't know. Um, so yeah, good film fact early on. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of what we've been discussing. Kind of these the different tropes of like the mad scientist with Frankenstein or. Or in some cases, the like the innocent victim who gets turned into a monster right. is is another thing. Is it because that's the thing? Definitely a big thing here. And this, yeah. and I think Landis talked about a little bit uh, with the Wolfman. Is I think Lon Chaney being? Oh yeah, yeah. Lon Chaney Jr. being kind of this like victim who gets yeah, turned into he gets a cursed, wolf. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. And his performance in that is is is, is amazing, man. Lon, Lon, Lon Chaney Jr. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um, he, he kind of like, he gives that vibe of like he, yeah. he, of the victim. He, he yeah. plays it like a victim. So yeah. Um, but yeah, so with this movie today, uh, those that have not seen American World for London, uh, it's, uh, written and directed by John Landis. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, how do you, wait, just say, cause I know yeah. Blues Brothers is like one of your favorite movies, if not your favorite, right? How do you feel about his career as a whole? I, like in regards to his movies? Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, the thing about John Landis, I, I guess we're getting this out off, 
like out of the way at the top as because there's been more kind of discussion, at least I guess in in, in my friend group. I, I don't know how it is more in mainstream culture, the idea with with the Twilight Zone sure. stuff. I, well, become, I remember telling people about that when I worked at the movie theater. I, I mean, yeah. I knew that when I was like seventeen, but like nobody else knew about that. Yeah, there's. Some, it, I, I don't know. It's it's the whole Twilight Zone, um, uh, with with the with the death of Vic Morrow sure. and the two children, and and the trial that occurred afterwards regarding John Landis and the idea that John Landis may was at fault with this. Mm-hmm. And he had some hits after the movie as well. Yeah, yeah like financial hits. Yeah. yeah. Oh, he yeah, yeah, after, yeah, after, yeah, 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 because he does. Um, which I think is coming to America. Some, after, yeah, yeah, some people's issue is that he yeah, was he still able to have a career, yeah, a, a yeah. career for a while after right. it. So, yeah, it's. I like some uh, Blues Brothers is my favorite movie. Sure. I like uh, many of Landis's films. I, I don't like with Blues Brothers, and that's I think with him, and some people will disagree with this. Is that like, I watched the Blues Brothers for John Belushi and Dan Aykroyd. I watch Animal House for John Belushi. Right. Um, I watch Trading Places for Eddie Murphy and Dan Aykroyd. I'm not really watching it for Lance. John Landis yeah. as a thing. So like movies that I don't really watch or find myself rewatching. I don't really watch Into the Night or whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't really watch even Coming to America that much. And you know, I like Eddie Murphy in it. Um, I, yeah, I think I've only seen that once. I, don't I think I've only watch, seen Trading Places once. I think Coming to America is, is, a, is a great film. Um, I don't really watch. Oh, I, I love Trading Places. Um but I haven't really, I didn't really watch. I don't really love Belly Hills Cop three. Is the thing? Yeah, I know I that's your least favorite. That's my yeah. least favorite of Belly Hills Cop trilogy. Um, but I mean, the hard part is, well, I guess, with the what was so difficult with this one a little bit is that I watched one of the behind the scenes docs for this, and this is what kind of hit me, and I'm like, ah, oh, this feels weird hearing this when he at one point because what's so odd is that Landis, why found out doing this, so I tried to know. He was a stunt performer before he started directing and writing. Yeah, because he was in westerns or something. He was right? in westerns yeah, yeah. in Europe. Yeah. Is what it was. Um, but he talks about in this movie. He's like, "Yeah, like we gotta make sure we gotta really check safety with these stunts. We don't want anyone to get hurt. No one's. It's not worth getting hurt over a movie or whatever." And I was like, "Oh, this is weird to hear." Like because then right. later you have these questionable things of like him low at the, the type about yeah. the helicopter. And well, everything. it was like he told. What wasn't it? They asked the helicopter to lower, and then the explosion yes. to be higher. And- yes. For those who want to know more about the Twilight yeah. Zone stuff, go check out What Went Wrong podcast. I think they did like a two, a two part episode on. And they get really in depth with it. It's really yeah. great. Um, so I so I am not as knowledgeable as I should be with this, but it's just yeah, it's a it's a very big key point that keeps coming up with Landis with the movies we've covered because like we talked about Clue, um, at one point and he was supposed to direct that. Mm-hmm. But he had to back out because the trial with Twilight Zone. We just talked about Little Shop of Horrors on our Patreon. It's you're coming out before this episode or right after this episode, and Lance was possibly up for a little shot of horrors. Oh, I didn't know that. Wow. And I'm like, well, that's right in the middle of kind of the trial stuff. So I don't know, but I like his movies. But if you said as a director, I don't. Right. He's not my favorite director, is the thing. And yeah, but yeah, it's it feels we're getting very negative, very dark early on with this episode. Um, but I guess it's 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 hard when discussing him not to bring that up right. in some way. That's yeah. that's the key and. Um, have your own viewpoints on it. Uh, it's the idea of separating art from the artist in certain ways. Yeah. I don't know if that's the question here. I'm not entirely sure. Right. Um, it's a complicated issue, but the the truth is that three people did die on a set that he was directing, and in many people's eyes, he was at fault with it. Right. So with that, <laughs> with this movie, 
he is a director and a writer, so his name will be brought up a lot. So right. to listeners, if, if that that's what we're discussing, he'll be talked about in some cases because we're talking about a movie. It could be in a positive light of how it's spun. I don't know how you'll feel about mm-hmm. it, but he will be brought up in this film. So just putting that and out And also there. filmography-wise, this did come out before. This did come out before Twilight Zone. This did come out before Twilight Zone. Just for context. Just to context. Yeah. He did come out before yeah. Twilight Zone. And it, it he still, with everything, he is still probably... Honestly, in this period, one of the best comedy directors. Oh yeah, it, well, definitely one of the most successful. One right? of the most yeah. successful and probably one of the best comedy directors I, of this period. Have you ever seen this? I can't remember the name of it. I just found it. It's a Fear on Film interview, and it's Landis Carpenter and Cronenberg in 1982. Isn't that random that he's a, yeah, yeah that he's yeah with them? But it's a year yeah. after this, movie right? Right, which makes more sense. But um, yeah. and I think they specifically, obviously, referenced this, and I, yeah. I don't remember what they referenced of the, of the other two's. But yeah, I mean, it, it was just a weird. That was just a weird like lineup to me. Well, but Cronenberg have you is probably like it's probably like video drum. yeah video drum yeah, and then Carpenter was like, uh, must have been the. Th- the thing is yeah. 82. Yeah, the, the thing, thing is unless it was right yeah. before, but um, but yeah, this is this is strange uh, uh panel there. Panel there. Um, but have you ever seen the stupids? Is I've my seen question. the stupid. Yes. So my my several times probably oh, really? honestly more than Ridgeball. So my, my roommate growing up I because th- I, growing up I like Tom yeah. Arnold. I, don't forgive me. Um, <laughs> I mean forgive me uh, if if you yeah. don't like Tom Arnold. But my uh, roommate in grad school showed me that movie. Yeah. And, well, he, first off, he was describing this movie to me. I'm my own grandpa. Yes. Yeah. He was. Yeah. The song. Yeah. And I'm like, what are you talking about here? You're making this shit up. He's like, no, no, this movie exists. Yeah, and we watched just, the entire yeah. thing on YouTube one night, like late in late at night, yeah. and it was like a fever dream, dude. Yeah. In uh, yeah, it stuck with me, and I I didn't know until I literally looking at Lindis's filmography that this that was one of his movies today. Yeah. Looking at his filmography, I cannot comment on <laughs> how I feel about Nail. And yeah. isn't isn't who is in that that's big? Oh, there's a bunch of like random cameos. I think yeah, yeah. that's there. There was was it Peter? No, he was. It was Christopher Lee. I think yeah, Christopher yeah. Lee is in the Stupids. Yes. Yeah. Yes, evil Mr. Cinder. Yeah, Mr. C- Return oh, yeah, to that was Cinder. Cinder. That was the bit. I yeah. forgot about that. Yeah. But I, I can't comment on how I feel about it now. No, but it I've, was it's been, it, it was so bizarre. Like, cause he's like describing this to me, and like I'm like, you're full of shit. This movie doesn't exist. And then he shows it. Well, it's based on like, is it based on a children's book or something? Or I don't know what it was based on possibly. something random or like comic strip or something. Fiction, yeah, yeah, yeah. Children's books. Oh, children's books, okay. And yeah, he he had read the books and then he he, he was like, Yeah, I watch this movie all the time. This kid I was like, dude, I don't know what you're talking about. And then yeah, we watched the entirety of the thing on YouTube in grad school. Here's yeah, yeah. I, I can't comment on how I feel about it now. Yeah. It's it's been since childhood. I'd say right. I will say this. I liked it as a kid. Take that what you will. You <laughs> might think I was a stupid kid, or you might think I was a smart kid. Yeah. Well it, it's a, it's it, a surreal fever dream in my opinion. It, it is very bizarre. Like, it it I forget. I honestly forget. But there's certain things I remember. It's the like <laughs> Cinder, and the yeah. I, and then he has the vision of of Christopher yeah. Lee. Well, oh, and then him singing "I'm My Own Grandpa," of course, uh, which is like "I'm My Own Grandpa." Yeah, I'm My Own Grandpa. Yeah. <laughs> so, and, but and, anyways, yeah. Anyway, anyway, enough about Landis. Uh, yeah, we're, yeah, yeah. Scattershot That was that was a tangent. But yeah, I just want to. Yeah, Landis, problematic figure in this or after this period. But before Twilight Zone, he was one of the biggest comedy yeah. directors, possibly one of the best in many eyes, one of the most successful. That comes into play with this movie. Absolutely. I guess why, Absolutely. I want, why I want to bring it up. Yeah, in the context. Um, there, so it's before Twilight Zone, two years before. Um, so yeah, but he wrote and directed it. It stars uh, David Naughton and Griffin Dunn. Uh, the big ma- the makeup effects, of course, were by Rick Baker. And uh, the the music was by Elmer Bernstein, who did. It was very little music, apparently. I think it's only seven minutes worth of music mm-hmm. uh, in this movie. He used a lot of yeah um, outside of the soundtrack. Outside yeah, of the yeah. soundtrack, 
Uh, George uh, Falsey Jr. was the producer. Falsey was also Atlantis's editor before that. He oh, was, wow. I think he was the editor on the Blues Brothers. He was editor on Schlock, Kentucky Fried Movie, Blues Brothers, and Animal House. And they became the producer uh, for this movie. And then eventually was a producer on many of his movies and also was an editor and producer on Coming to America, funny enough. Oh, wow. Um, and still uh, has edited for a long time and probably edited more of late than produced. Then he stopped producing for the most part in the 90s. He's done a few movies after that, but he's still edit- edited up until 2010s. Uh, last films being like 2015 um, era. Um, but yes, those are kind of people involved in this movie. And I had seen this movie a little bit before. I think once or twice before. This was kind of one that was because I love the Blues Brothers and one I've probably found because going through Lannis's filmography that, I, that I'd always heard about, but it was the horror comedy. Um, Did you see it in college or, or earlier? I would say college because okay, yeah. again, too, as we talked about many times, the shows that I was not a big horror right, right, fan. Right. So I think it came. I it can I I found it more late, later in college. Horror was not my thing really until college. I really yeah. didn't watch any horror until college, except like The Shining or whatever. Um, so probably then. There's a good chance it didn't happen until I moved out here. Is mm. the thing in grad school, but I think I was in college when I watched it because I think it was. It was I think it was on my list of movies to watch like since high school, yeah. and I finally got around doing it. Um, I don't know if I've revisited since then. Oh, wow. That's the thing. I think, but, but it, it, it did have an impact on me because of Rick Baker's effects and also kind of the mix of horror and comedy. I, yeah. I would venture and say it's one of the best and you could argue possibly the best kind of mashup of horror and comedy because certain horror comedies, they go one yeah, I was thinking about this the other day. They, they, they lean more, one way or the other. And this is one that kind of doesn't. Yeah. It, it really is kind of right down the line yeah. of horror comedy. We can talk later about my issue with kind of the balance of those things. Yeah. But I think over, like on a macro level, I think he he does nail yes. mixing them, if that makes sense. Yes, but like... I think there's some parts scene to scene, which I'll discuss later. Yes, uh, for but, sure, for but, sure. Um, but I think... No, but I think, yeah, on a macro level, he definitely gets both of those tones. Um, and that's the thing about... That's what the thing that's interesting to me about horror and comedy is like, you're either building to a gag or you're building to scares, right? Scare, yeah. So it's hard to... I mean, just as a con, as a concept, right? It's hard to decide like, oh, am I going to build to a laugh here? Or am I going to build to yeah. a scare here? Because he, he does some really awesome like hard cuts. And again, we'll talk about this later. Yeah. And sometimes that's for a gag and then sometimes it's for a, like a jump, right? Yeah. So I think, yeah. How 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 this film, like a lot of the transitions are, are really really uh, well crafted, and yeah, and there's some great suspenseful sequences and some great gags. So it it really does hit both both camps. Yeah, really well. Um, I mean, I think I'm always gonna go back to Evil Dead too as my favorite horror comedy. That's fair because I think, but I, I but I also get if you're not, I haven't like, seen it enough. Okay, so that's, that's why. But I think yeah. that has a very like specific brand of humor yeah. that this is more like this is not broad comedy it's not the right word but this has a this isn't what this evil dead is going more for right right, right. Yeah. like evil dead 2 you have to be you have to know what you're getting into yes. right it's like it Raimi completely unrestrained this feels more yeah. mainstream like it's, right. it's griffin dunn like yeah. pre after hours right. like who's kind of jokey but mm-hmm. not like He's a, it's like it's fringe, you know, is yeah. kind of the thing. And it has some great one liners as well. Whereas Evil Dead 2 is more slapstick it's and, slapstick. and, That's the and thing. zany, like Three Stooges esque, yes. uh, cartoonish, that kind of thing. This is not that yeah. one. But it's also deeply unnerving as well. Like Evil Dead 2 is also yeah. deeply unnerving as well. So it's, it's, it's crazy how Raimi balanced that. But I, I, I would put this up there as well. It's a, in yeah, I, think it's one, I think it's one of the best in that, in that regard. Um, 
but yeah, so I guess I haven't revisited it in a while and it was interesting kind of diving into kind of the stuff behind this movie. Sure. And it just shows kind of to, cause I knew this movie that he, Lannis been trying to make it for a while. And the big comment was like, he said like, people said it was schizophrenic because yeah, they, they didn't know what it was. Yeah. And that's the thing too. Is like, again, it's like, these are hard. This is a hard sell, I think to studios and also to market it. Right. Yeah. It's like a hard, cause like what, what tone do you especially the show period, in the trailer? Especially the period. This, right. Like, Horror comedy feels like pre eighties. Yeah, wasn't really a big thing. And right. again, it's coming. It's coming. Yeah, thinking about the horror genre as, as, yeah. as itself. Is it like yeah, Halloween because seventy eight? Right. It only had just started to get more well respected in the seventies. Right. Yeah. Like, horror. I mean. Yeah. And so it feels like, and this, I guess, I guess I can bring it up here. Is like, yeah. it's that you're seeing the people who grew up watching horror movies on TV in the fifties, yeah. like sixties. Yeah. Yes. Of like B horror seeing movie, yeah. the those yeah. B movie horror films, yeah. Universal monster movies. Yeah. Um, and how yeah, I mean, you look at Dante, you look at Landis, you look at all, yeah, all these guys, all these guys, yeah. um, even Carpenter, Carpenter yeah, as yeah. well, where you're, you're seeing these people kind of look at those movies and now they're in the position to make movies right. and they're they're. I mean, this, this is kind of this loving tribute to some extent to these monster movies of the forties. Mm-hmm. Like they mentioned, they name drop Wolfman a lot and yeah. kind of other Wolfman were- werewolf movies in some way. Um, like the, there's the, the Oliver Reed one or whatever they talk. I think I know they talk about in the documentary I watched that like there's certain things that kind of pop up that that's being brought up in this movie. Um, Landis is very much aware of the werewolf lore yeah. and mythology within films. But yeah, you're seeing people like, like Landis, Dante and, and Carpenter and whoever looking at those movies that grew up in the fifties on TV and making movies in that vein. Yeah. So that's why you're seeing a lot of movies pop, pop up in the eighties. We talked about with lost boys where it's like a, a bringing those, those creatures and monsters to a modern context. It was the reanimator in some way um, with Stuart Gordon and and doing that. Or if it's near dark with Bigelow with vampires or, or lost boys yeah. or lost boys or this with werewolves yeah. or Joe Dante's the howling and things like that. It's yeah. all kind of happening all at once where they're taking those old ideas that were done earlier and putting mm-hmm. this 80s spin on which, them, which is pretty crazy because this is like 50 years after Frankenstein. It's exactly 50 years, right? 50 yeah, years yeah, after Frankenstein. Crazy, yeah, exactly. Dude. Um, and to see how and, and forty after the Wolfman because I think Wolfman's forty one yeah forty one yeah yeah and Wolfman too to yeah. go with that to operate up here because because the, the Wolfman they they um, documentary I watched the Wolfman is one of those interesting things where Frankenstein and Dracula had a text to go off of of Mary Shelley's right. Frankenstein and then and then Bram Stoker's Dracula with the Wolfman there wasn't really a text right to it's just go more like legend and legends and, and maybe myth, myth. certain books of legends and yeah. things like that but never like we're basing it just off this, uh, this so, story yeah so it was kind of so the Wolfman itself from 41 is kind of the main text for the genre of werewolves in film is the thing so it always is going to go back right. to that and with Landis when make when when prepping for this and researching it it always was kind of going back to I want to do what they do with the Wolfman and make our guy the victim like Lon Chaney Jr. was in the Wolfman. But I want to take that transformation idea and change it up. Right. Because modernize it. Modernize it in some way. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, So to get into the history of how this movie got to production, it was in 1969 when John Landis was around 19 years old and he was working as a gopher slash runner on a film set uh, for Kelly's Heroes starring Clint Eastwood, Donald Sutherland, Ty Savalas, Don Rickles, and Carol O'Connor. And this was filmed in Yugoslavia in 69, so he's 19. One day, Landis found himself in Yugoslavia with one of his friends, and they wandered upon a group of Romani people burying a man. Landis was surprised by the burial because they wrapped the body, or at least around the neck, rosaries and garlic. 
and they were burying the man standing upright and not laying down. And it was like the edge of a crossroads of these two like kind of back roads in uh, in Yugoslavia. Lance is Frank could speak the language, and they and he asked him that he asked them what was why you're burying this man this way, and they told him that the man was a very bad person and he committed some sort of like horrible crime, possibly a murder or a sexual assault, something that made them like we don't want him to rise from the dead. So he's standing up, so he can't actually get out of his grave. Is kind of the idea. Mm. Uh, Landis found this idea and image to be somewhat funny, but also impactful of what what would happen if him and his buddy were sitting there and this man, this undead person rose from the grave. What would you do? What would you happen when a rational thinking person who doesn't believe in this is somehow met face to face with a supernatural being? How would you react? And that kind of became the, the beginnings of American Marvel from London. So he wanted to write a monster movie, Landis did, based on this idea. And he began to think about what monster could it be? Could it be zombies? Could it be vampires? Or could it be werewolves? And Landis would decide upon a werewolf. He then began researching werewolves or lycanthropes and to find out more about them. He said one of the pieces of information he found out was that the place that executed the most people for possibly being werewolves was in France. They oh, wow. actually ex- It was like kind of their Salem witch trials, basically. Yeah, have you heard of that French film, uh, The Brotherhood of the Wolf? I've heard of I it. I haven't, seen, I haven't it, seen it. Yeah, so but that actually makes me more intrigued if that's... I didn't realize that was like... Because it was 18th century, according to this, uh, yeah, in, in France. So I didn't realize that that was like a big um, thing, yeah, yeah. His, historical thing. Yeah. yeah, so apparently, yeah, in France, the most people were executed for being for possibly being werewolves or shapeshifters of some kind. The second place was Wales. <laughs> and because Lannister couldn't speak French, he decided to base it in Wales or, or England, basically, um, which borders Wales. Um, Landis wrote the script's far- first draft very quickly and actually finished it in 1969. Oh, wow. Before shelving it for a bit. Um, Landis was also obsessed with monster movies, as I said, because the, the television stuff we were talking about. He also was influenced by Mark Twain's A Connecticut Yankee and King Arthur's Court. Interesting. was a big thing of like being kind of put in a an unknown position, unknown place. Um, I said he was also a, a stunt performer before this, around this time, uh, worked on Once Upon a Time in the West, is one of the ones oh, he, no was, way. he was on. And yeah, yeah, man, in Italy, those stunts, were, they were kind of wild at the, they just... Do somebody yeah. on a horse. He did. I think he did a stunt for this movie at some point, one of the driving stunts oh, wow. in Piccadilly Circus or something. Um, at the age of 21, Landis made his directorial debut with Schlock, a horror comedy monster movie about an ape man who runs wild in South Ca- Southern California, not South Carolina, Southern California. Will <laughs> um, be a different movie, I think. Yeah, very different movie. Uh, the gorilla suit for the film was made by a young makeup effects designer, Rick Baker. Oh, no way. Um, while making the film together, Landis told Baker about his idea for an American werewolf in London. Landis hoped that this movie would be his next film. But it wasn't. Uh, Lannis told Baker that he wanted to really show the werewolf's transformation. All the previous films just showed hair growing in some way, but never really showed like the actual painful experience it might be to transform into a werewolf. Schlock would finish filming in 1971, but would not be released until 1973 after Johnny Carson saw it. Carson was a f- became a fan of the movie and brought a young Landis on the Tonight Show to promote the film and even showed clips of the movie on the TV on, on the Tonight Show. No way. Uh, David Zucker of the Zucker Brothers would see Landis on the Tonight Show and was like, "Hey, that kid made a movie. We should just hire him for our movie." And so the Zuckers and Jim Abrams, who would later do Airplane, uh, almost I guess a ten years or five years later after this movie, uh, would hire him to make the Kentucky Fried movie, and. Landis, when he met them, he asked them they have a script for this movie that they want him to direct. They're like, what's the script? Like, what do you mean, like, a script? They're like, here's a script. Read this script. This is kind of how you format it. That script would be, 
an American Wolf in London. Mm. And that'd be the template for the Kentucky Fried movie. <laughs> have you seen it? I have. Yeah. It has some funny sketches. It has some funny sketches. Yeah, it's just, but I don't it's, love them all. It's, yeah, but it's not. It's very much. Well, it's of like its any time. sketch comedy yeah. thing. It's like some of them are. It's some, hit or miss. Yeah. So, the the yeah. short. I, was like, I remember the shorter ones were the ones I liked the yeah. most, and the longer ones like short films I didn't really like. Yeah. Um. Well, in there, in there, the whole like kung fu section as well. I think. In, yeah. In Kentucky Fried movie. Yeah. That's like twenty minutes. I think. Yeah, yeah, that's the way. Yeah. Um, but the movie box office success. I think made like seven million dollars on like a hundred. Like a. Oh wow. Seven million dollars like a. $200,000 budget, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, $7.1 million on a $650,000 budget. Um, this result in uh, him getting Animal House and then Blues Brothers, all three of these movies be box office successes. So now Landis finally had clout to make an American Wealth in London. So Landis would re- secure $10 million from Polygram Pictures, an upstart company run by Peter uh, Guber and John Peters. Guber is actually still a producer. He just released... Air with Ben Affleck and Matt Damon. Oh, no he, he produced that. Uh, and, and is that John Peters, John? Yes, John oh. Peters, John Peters. <laughs> Barbara Streisand's ex-husband, Streisand. Um, yeah, they. it was interesting. We we talked about this on an uh, episode way back in the day called Thank God It's Friday. And essentially, Polygram Pictures was kind of like Filmworks. Casablanca Filmworks was, was based on Casablanca Records and Motown Records, and they made a few movies like uh, Thank God It's Friday. They also made, made Foxes, which we talked to Foxes by Adrian Lyon, which we talked about on the show when we did Adrian Lyon's episode. So they've been making movies before, but it, it 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 didn't convert to Polygram Pictures until 1980, so a year before this movie. Um, and then I think right after this, just a side thing, not long after this movie, I think in 82, 83, Uber and Peters left Polygram Pictures but still had some sort of working relationship with them. But the main idea they were working on, they took with them, was Batman 89. They're oh, no they trying to produce a Batman, a new take on Batman is what it was. Um, but yeah, so when landing a deal with Polygram, uh, before landing a deal with Polygram, Landis had been sending the script out around town, as I said earlier. People were really confused by it. They said, it's too funny for a horror film, it's too scary for a comedy. And so with all these rejections, young Rick Baker, who had been involved early on with the ideas of this movie was beginning to believe this, his dream of making a werewolf movie was like the original Wolfman was kind of never going to happen. But that all changed when one day he received a call. And on the other end, it was Joe Dante. No way. And Joe Dante was like, I'm making a werewolf movie called The Howling. And Dante would essentially, well, Philly Landis film would never happen. Baker took the job to work on The Howling. And Baker showed Dante and told Dante the ideas that he had been working on for Landis's movie, for this transformation stuff. And Dante, I think, loved them. And then not long after, Rick Baker gets a call. John Landis, I got money to make the movie. And he's like, well, I just took this werewolf movie uh, already. And Landis is like pissed by it. And he's like, well, did you show them the stuff we were doing? And he's like, yes. Well, Landis was more pissed by that, essentially. Uh, feeling they were taking the ideas they had worked on together to be put in this other Another person's movie. Yeah, movie. Yeah. Um, Did he know Dante at this point? Do you know? I don't oh. know. Maybe. Well, I mean, I guess, yeah, yeah. Um, and so essentially, Rick Baker, feeling like he should stick with the guy that was with them from the beginning, sure, yeah. tells Dante he's going to leave the howling and work on American Wealth in London, but his protege is going to take over. And that's Rick Botten. And Rick Botten, if you listen to the show before, 
uh, he would eventually, the year after the Howling, he did the Howling's werewolf stuff, took a lot of the ideas yeah. that Baker was doing. He would later do John Carpenter's The Thing. That's interesting because... I didn't think about that because in in the howling when they when they transform they do the yep. bubble it does the bubbling thing like yep. on their faces which is very thing thing as so, yeah yeah um, but yeah that's cool huh. so he would go off and do yeah. and he's very and he was very young yeah he was a young yeah, yeah. he was young when they did the things so, so yeah. and it's a year before then yeah. uh, Rick Bond but I also really liked the howling I actually saw it at the New Art uh, they did a, a late I'm night screening yeah. I'm sorry not Rick Bond Rob Bond yeah, sorry that's right, yeah. um, Rick. But they did a uh, a late night screening and uh, Dante was there to in- introduce it and it was during yeah. the full moon so it was it was fun. Ooh, that's cool. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, and so I, I love the Howling because of Slim Pickens. Slim Pickens being. Oh yeah. So yeah. So he so when he did the Howling, he was probably like twenty one. Wow. Twenty two maybe. So he's he's like twenty three. Does the thing, which is wild. Yeah. How he jumps from doing Howling, the small thing, to doing the thing and this amazing effects and Laird yeah. did like RoboCop, The Fog. I think he worked with, with Fincher on Seven and Fight Club. Just. Then a whole bunch of stuff. So he's only 64. Now he's still working. Um, hey, last thing he did, he did Game of Thrones. Oh, wow. Um, but Rob Bodden. Um, uh, but when Baker came on the f- film, on the movie, when he was doing Landis, he said, hey, I'll do it, but I need the two actors at least six months before you start shooting because I have to create the molds of their faces as a way to kind of, a practice that was kind of uncommon for the time, but as a way to kind of create the effects and makeup that would match the actors' actual faces. And Landis is like, well, I don't like. Basically, he had he had, he secured financing, but he had the money to just go off and hire people just then. So he had to hire two actors before he actually could pay them, basically. So it start basically quickly cast the two leads of David and Jack, the two American backpackers, allegedly, either Goober and Peters at Polygram or maybe Universal. It doesn't I'm not entirely sure, but. They were pressuring Landis to hire John Belushi and Dan Aykroyd in the two what? lead roles because they wanted stars and he wanted unknown faces. So he began looking, he looked at over 300 actors for the roles in LA and New York. He would cast Griffin Dunn based on his audition. And before hiring him, the only question Landis asked Dunn was, are you claustrophobic because of the makeup? Right. Dunn said he wasn't, but he later admitted if he actually was, he would have lied about it just to get the job. Uh, for the role of David Kessler, Landis had his eye on a young actor he had been seeing in a popular Dr. Pepper marketing campaign. Interesting. Uh, this 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 young actor was apparently really good at dancing and singing and had a nice screen presence, and that would be David Naughton. And Landis would meet him once, and after a few days, he'd hire David Naughton over the phone and tell him, hey, go meet Rick, ba- Rick Baker. You have to start doing like the makeup stuff. So he ran to Rick Baker. And Baker's like, who are you playing? He's like, I'm playing David. He goes, I feel sorry for you. Because <laughs> Rick Baker knew. Yeah, it was going to be extensive. It was going to be extensive with yeah. the amount of makeup and effects. And it would be for this, these transformation scenes. Landis said he picked England initially and the UK for their gothic architecture. But another reason why Landis set the movie in England was because at the time they had a program that I think allowed creatives to take some of the box office grosses that were made in England as a way to like kind of bring people over to oh, shoot stuff there. Yeah. That was always the thing. I know in like post World War II, this was a thing when Disney was doing it because it was like any money that you made, it's different type thing, but any money you made in England had to stay in England. So that's why you got like movies like Treasure Island that Disney made in the fifties because he had to basically take the money he was making in England from his movies and spend it in England. And this feels like and it's similar thing that they want you to come over to make in England that you got a cut of the movie, right. but you had to kind of hire 
that local yeah local talent yeah. essentially and but Landis was not English um but he had to essentially use cast and crew that were English but he could get away with using a director the director or movie stars problem is while David Naughton and Griffin Dunn are actors they were not movie stars was the right, thing right. so they had to really fight to get them on board and I'll talk a little bit about that later uh um when we get to kind of other stuff um but yeah, he would. He would. But he, in terms of cast for English actors, he saw a, a production of Royal Shakespeare Company's Nicholas Nick, Nicholas Nickleby, and uh, several of the actors that were in that production wound up in American Werewolf in London. Wound up in American Werewolf in London, and so some of the actors would be the Doctor, uh, Doctor Lynchwood. Let me get the actual actor name. Um, the Doctor Hirsch. Sorry, John Wood Wood Woodvine was one of those. Um, another one was, uh, where's the dart player? It was the dart player. This name is not on here, but he was, he's been, he was in the pirates movies as well. Oh yeah. Um, and well, a few other things. You made, what did he say? Oh, you made me miss. You made me miss. <laughs> yeah. But he was, he was, um, he's good. He's good in this couple scenes. Yeah. Um, but he, he was, uh, and he was like, yeah, this is like one of my first, I had never really, I think really been in movies before that. Interesting. Point. Um, well, there's a thing like that. I feel like the bar feels very much like that town. Like, like that'd be the kind yeah. of people that'd be in that town, you know? Yeah, exactly. But he was so he cast like three or four actors from that production. Um, Jenny, a gutter who plays Alex Price, the nurse, who's uh, David's the love interest. Love interest. Yeah. Landis had known her for a while because she had came over to America to try to act in L.A. or something. Oh, interesting. And became friends with him and his wife Deborah Landis, famous costume designer De- Deborah Landis. Um, and so he kind of wrote the role, I think, or I guess was tailoring the role for her because he'd written it much earlier. Um, and so that's how she got involved. So with this cast, they they went to England to go shoot the movie. And now we move on to favorite scenes. So, David, what's some of your favorite scenes in this movie? Well, I think we got to start with the opening, right? I mean, I think it like I mean, the opening is a great yeah. establishment of everything with this movie. Right. Like we were a little little bit t- talking about that pub scene there. But like even just leading up to it, like the yeah. the reveal of them on the back of that truck. Cracks oh, yeah. Me up. And the sheep. Yeah. <laughs> what do you say? That sheep shit on my bag. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. And then they're just walking and you kind of get a sense of not only their relationship, but each of their personalities. Yeah. Um, Gr- Griffin. Uh, oh, Jack. Jack. Jack's his Jack, character yeah. name. Yeah. He um he's like still kind of hung up on this girl back home um that he's hoping is in, in Rome, right? He's hoping that she's yeah, gonna come yeah, to Italy. He's known yeah. her for a while yeah. and he's like yeah. And he's, he says I'm in love with her. He's like it, You want you want to sleep with yeah. you, you won't get laid, basically. <laughs> yeah. Um but yeah, so you get a sense of them and then they end up in in the bar, and that's where things kind of get a little eerie, right? I mean it's still funny. It's still funny, and but you they start to notice weird things yeah. around. Well, and also, the, I think the truck guy also tells them stay on the roads. Stay on but, the roads. But they yeah. really get the rules in in the pub in even the pub, more. Yeah. So, like, uh, what does he say? He says like, um, watch the moon, watch for the moon. Or something. Beware, beware the moon. Beware the moon. Yeah, beware, beware the moon. <laughs> and uh, stay off the road, or yeah. stay, stay stay off the moors. Stay on yeah, the road. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and and you just kind of get this like vibe that oh something's a little off here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, this isn't just two Americans being obnoxious Americans abroad, right? This is like <laughs> something going on. Something new going on. But I just love Griffin Dunn. Oh yeah, in all of this, like Griffin Dunn, like that's one of the drawbacks. Almost he he gets killed early on. Yeah. It's like I don't get to Griffin Dunn the entire movie for most of the movie. Like his bit of just like hey, ask is that pentagram? That's <laughs> <a> pentagram? <laughs> he's like what? that's that's like supernatural stuff. I mean, yeah. ask him what the pentagram's about. Yeah, and then he's like, no, I'm not doing that. And he's like, ask him what the pentagram. I, I, he's telling the joke, and then at the end of the joke, everyone's like, <laughs> goes. 
hey, what's that on the wall about? Yeah. And then it just goes he kills quiet it. again. He kills it. It's, it's so hysterical. They're just like, you need to leave. Get out. Get, um, get out. Yeah, but... It, and then, so, so yeah, now we know something's going on, right? Yeah. And then it's still like... It's still like them kind of bantering and whatnot, like, oh, what are we going to do now? Yeah. Um, and they're even like questioning, like, what was all that about? Was it yeah. a star on the wall? And they, they told us to. Slaughter, still, yeah. I love it. Slaughter lamb. Where's the lamb, David? Where's the lamb? <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it's a good like establishment. And then, of course, we get I to agree. this first attack. Um, yes. That is really. Uh, oh, it's brutal. Brutal, yeah. Like, that's the thing about this movie with the, with the, the kills, the transformation. Everything is so visceral. Right. That's kind of why I go on the whole idea of like it being a really uh, almost one mm-hmm. of the best horror comedies is that for me to be laughing out loud and then be f- completely terrified when you're watching like Griffin Dunn be basically yeah. eating, eaten. Well, it's because like they think they're at because uh, um, David falls and they're like, kind of laughing about it. Yeah, yeah. And then that's when the werewolf attacks. And it's like, like God, you, you yeah. scared the shit out of me, yeah. man. And then just like, bam, it just blood curling yeah. screams yeah. like and the wolf is just like like instantly there's no like there's that's the thing it's like you almost like man david just left his friend that way yeah. but like well it's fight or flight almost right? immediately yeah. he's he's it gone turned, like he's yeah. dead like there's yeah. no way you're getting out of uh, of that well, he does turn back fight. he but, does yeah, later. But, but it but it's fight or flight it's like none of us really know what we're yeah. gonna do no, no, and no. plus he's running he doesn't know where he is he's running no. they were already planning to go back to the pub yeah probably so gonna, he's probably just running to get help right and, like, and that and that's a yeah. good sequence before yeah. before he gets attacked it's like all right them like they went off the road, dumbasses. Yeah. Um, you didn't follow the. You yeah. always gotta follow the follow local the rules, people's man. rules, follow man. Rules. Always, yeah. <laughs> and they're like, and and but it's that kind of like the unknown. They get out there and they're like, because that's the thing when you're out there, there you get a little bit of leeway because you're in a movie, so you get some sort of light from the moonlight. But yeah. like, if you're really out there at that time. Yeah. It's pitch black. Yeah, they didn't have street lights, man. It's like yeah. this country so, roads. Like you gotta put in that perspective. Like they're they're literally just walking in darkness, and they hear the growling. And they hear and, the yeah, growling, yeah. and it's. I was telling my buddy because we were talking about it recently, and I was like thinking about this. He talked about later. They had a lot of different like um, sounds to go with it, but like it almost seems like metallic, like mm, the way it, like it reverberates off something. It doesn't seem natural. Is the thing right. that's what's terrifying about it. Um, and it's in the in the darkness. You hear that, and you're like, "That's no wolf. That's no this. That's something else." Um, and so yeah, but then yeah, Griffin Dunn gets eaten, and it's just like completely visceral, yeah. brutal, bloody, shocking. And then it's you wake up. He's at the hospital. Yeah. He wakes up. He's at the hospital. Well, I also want to highlight this one shot because I think it's awesome or a good, re- cool reveal. Mm-hmm. Uh, like to start setting up this werewolf lore, but yeah. um, so they shoot the werewolf obviously because it attacks David as well. Yes, and then they shoot the, the townspeople come and save him. Shoot the, the werewolf. Yeah, and then he turns and looks, and then it's just the body of a man. It's just body of a man. Yeah, it's like we don't even see like the D transition. We just nope. boom. He's just the bloody. Like, and I think it yeah. that people in the test audience were very confused by that. Interesting, because I didn't understand what. Uh, why is there a guy that shot there? But like, it makes sense. It's yeah. like, but I think it's more like it's gonna make sense later. Right. It's just like it's it is almost to be confusing because in the yeah. moment, if you're David, you're very much confused. Yeah. Is that your friend just died? You're about to basically mm-hmm. go unconscious because you've been bitten, and you're right. like, that's a dude. And yeah, when they're in the hospital, everybody keeps telling him it was a maniac, but he maniac. knows it was a like, no, that was a yeah. wolf. Like, yeah. I, I, a maniac didn't kill my friend. A a a, a creature killed my friend. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have these when he's in bed. You have these random undead Nazis at one point killing him yeah, in the, the dream. That nightmare. Yeah, I've never understood that scene. 
This well, I guess one, that ties this into This is the... when I was like, oh, this is a John Landis movie. Right. Because it feels like Kentucky Fried Movie yeah. of this kind of like separate things that are popping in right. there. Like, and what, what, what you were about to say, it ties into what, what you were about to say? Well, the, them being Nazis, I think, probably ties into his... The yeah, Jewish... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the kind of the Jewish otherness. That, yeah, yeah. that kind of go with that as well, where this, this, this is kind of a... But they're like monster... Like soldiers, monster, I don't know. What, monster Nazis yeah. is what it is. Is yeah, like SS. No. Members but but or his dreams are interesting because he it, it establishes that point of view of the werewolf shot like through yes. the woods, and I love that. Like anytime he uses that, I mean, he uses it later in one, another one of my favorite scenes. But um, yeah, uh, yeah, it's like it's already like in his dreams, he's already starting to like transform in a way, like yes. to being a, a wild beast, a right? wild beast. <laughs> yes. Um, but I do love now that they're in the hospital. I love that first scene where he's flirting with um the nurse. Um, and she's like force feeds him essentially. Yeah. But that's a really sweet moment. And I think that's kind of the only moment where I, I fully buy their romance. I mean, there's, there's sweet moments between them, but that's the only, yeah. I think that does a good job of establishing it. Um, I agree. early on, but yeah, uh, it, it, it's just really funny. Like them flirting back and forth and then her force feeding her force feeding him. I also like the brief, like, uh, Frank Oz appearance and, and, yeah. and, and which we just talked about little shop of horrors and Frank Oz also in blues brothers, but he, Frank Oz also directed little shot, but it's funny to see him pop up in here just for one scene. I guess he's able to get a get a visa yeah. from. Well, they also show um, uh, Muppets at one point. They do. Yeah, yeah. This one's he's, yeah. he's actually in the movie twice. He yeah. plays because I think he was still he, credited as as uh, Kermit and Miss. Yeah, I doubt yeah. that. Well, or, 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 sorry, Miss yeah, Miss Piggy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, with with the the stuff in the hospital again, I love when Griffin Dunn shows up the first time, and I love again talking about Rick Baker's effects of how like Griffin's character like is basically deteriorating as, yeah. as the movie goes on. But that on. first wound is nasty, It was dude. nasty. Oh I think Dunn said that he was like unsettled when yeah. he did it. It's, it's like, like once he starts to decompose a little bit more, it's more like, yeah. you, like he's not as rough, but like this first scene where he's talking to him, he's just got like the claw marks on his yeah, neck. Like, like, it's, 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 like his skin's it's like, barely hanging there. just freshly yeah. died is what Ugh. it is. But I, and then he sets the rules there. He's like, you have to die, otherwise... Are, yeah, you have to yeah. die, or like, I'll, I'm going to be stuck, stuck in, in limbo. Purgatory. Yeah, yeah, Um, But I love, he's like, you ever talk, you ever talk to a chorus, David? David? It's boring. They're just they just lay there. <laughs> it's like it's like what you're saying is like because he kind of adds these moments of levity throughout. He does. He's, when the, he, when he's he the comedy part. So it's like it, it would be missing something if he just died and, and we yes. didn't come back in this like apparition, I guess. Um, yeah. Visions. Well, yeah. Again, it's funny because the whole thing at the beginning is like he's like it's your fault we're here. It's yeah. Like he saying and now it's like it's your. It, he didn't say this one, but it's like it's your fault. I'm undead now, David. Yeah. He's still being that friend that just yeah, like you know, giving him shit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like if you talk to a corpse, it's boring. You don't say anything. Uh, every time he shows up, it's great. Um, but yeah. Um, do you have something next? I have um, well, I, and then obviously then um, then it kind of transitions to him living with her, essentially. Yes, with yeah, Alex. Yeah. You got to go in this whole sex montage. Yeah. Man, well, well, that wasn't going to be one of my favorites. But yeah. <laughs> oh, I, know it, I know it wasn't going to be one I think right favorites. before that, um, I think it's before that. I think it's when they're first, either they're first going to her place or they're... Or, I think it's before this, but they're on the the, the tube, you know, the, yes. the metro. Yeah, underground. And there's yeah. just that wide shot of all these punks, and he's that just great. and they're both in the middle, like he's yeah. in faces. Yeah. <laughs> Here's a question I had: Is Alex a Disney adult? Oops. Interesting. Why I asked that? I know it seems weird, but yeah. she had two Mickey Mouse figurines in her living room. Yeah, a Minnie Mouse figurine in her living room, and a Donald Duck figurine on her mantle. I was like. That's a lot of Disney. Yeah. For one, Disney would never allow them to do that nowadays. Oh no way. To be in this movie, it's just funny because at that point Disney was like it's eighty one, so like they yeah. they're not really a big company as much yet. They're kind of on hard times. Um, 
Yeah, before like the second before, animated movie, or the yeah. second, but like the, the that era. Yeah, animated. it's before Eisner comes in, yeah. Frank Wells and Katzenberg else. So it's yeah. still like just so they get. But I was just like, it's, I was like, she has a bunch of Disney figurines, yeah, and, you and think that just feels yeah. odd to me. Yeah, not and uh, not odd, but just it just it's like it's not usually decor you put in the living room. Is all I'm saying. And I was just well, like, oh, she's not that much, right? He's like, you, it's, you, you know, I, one I little can see one. Yeah. I see like the one because I had that like yeah. the uh, when like Griffin Dunn plays with it at one yeah. point when he's in his when he's like going closer to being undead. Yeah, uh, when he, he does the voice like, hey, Mickey or whatever. <laughs> but she had a she. Had, I was like, I wonder why she has like four of these, and it just it felt like a little. It, it, you can't probably answer it, but and 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 I don't want to like disparage Disney adults and 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 be negative for them. You might, I don't know. Um, it was just it was just like. Uh, a lot for, for sure for like an English woman who does not live near Disney right. World or any kind of any kind. Yeah. Um, but she might just like the movies. Maybe. She also had, she also had a Bogart poster on the wall yeah. in the in the kitchen. Yeah, I was trying to read her because there's one wide shot and the posters were cut off. I was trying so to she see has a Bogart, in the living room. She has a Bogart. Two. Yeah, she has a Bogart poster kind of like in the dining area. Okay, she has a Gone with the Wind poster above the mantle. Is what oh, it is. okay. I don't know about the other ones, but that. But yeah. I was, so she's. There was another one, like not in the corner, but on the other wall. Uh, but I couldn't see it because the frame was kind of yeah. cut off. But so she is movie obsessed. Yeah. So that is yeah. the argument that she has a bunch of Disney stuff. Sure, but Gone with the Wind is a little different than Disney. four Disney figurines. You know? I get it. I mean, it's <laughs> it's 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 a lot. Um, uh, but I do love this when she's kind of showing him around her yeah. place. There's only one bed. There's only one bed. <laughs> and then I love it. she says two lines. They're in separate scenes. Which I find you very attractive and a little bit sad. And then later, I think they're in after the yeah. postcoital. And she says, "I'm torn between feeling very sorry for you and finding you terribly attractive." <laughs> Although that was when he's explaining the he, he thinks that only a um, somebody who loves a werewolf can yeah. kill them. Okay, he's, it's when he's having like this whole gotcha. like I guess crisis about yeah, if he's yeah. possibly a werewolf because <laughs> he hasn't transitioned yet. He's just like thinking about I'm this. thinking about because yeah, like, because yeah. oh, well, yeah. Griffin told him the, about the yeah, curse. Both so time, he's still yeah. like, Wrapping his head around it, but I mean, he opens up to her, and she, she it's not that she's like, I don't know, if she's like feeding the insanity, but she's like being very like uh, sympathetic to him. I think. Yeah, at least. Know? Yeah. Like, oh, I mean, yeah. Well, but, well yeah, think, like her, his friend just died. Is yeah. the thing. Right. She knows that. Yeah. She's probably, oh, and also, okay. I think psychologically, I think like caring for somebody like yeah. that in that way, like literally yeah. nursing him back to health. Yeah. Uh, obviously, that's going to lead to some attraction there if that if that's going if that's a possibility, right? No, so, I agree. Yeah. Uh, but I love that, that that line of like both times she's like, I find you attractive, but you're also very sad. <laughs> <laughs> You're a sad man. God, I can't get enough um, of you. But she just spells it out. Like, she spells it out for him. And it's like, it's never that easy, man. It's yeah. like, yeah, he, he got lucky here. He did. <laughs> he ended up in the right hospital. And just sadly, he's a werewolf, so he <laughs> yeah. can't be with her. Um, um, But that leads me to my, I mean, it's the werewolf transformation right. scene. Which it was, what I found fascinating this time, maybe I just never clocked, like, when it happens. But it happens around, like, 58, 59 minutes. So it's pretty it's crazy. Late. Yeah, it's, it's late. Yeah. I thought the same I, I literally thing. paused it, and it was, like, right on the turn from, like, 58 and some change. Yeah. But that's crazy, man. It's because this is an hour and 37-minute movie. It's a it's short like, movie. It's, like, I feel like that should have been more towards the midpoint, but it, yeah. it kind of works. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's an all-timer scene without question. I mean, that's the that's the scene that everybody kind of references from this movie, right? I mean, it's it's incredible. Like, yeah. and, and, again, kind of the 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 contrast of the music it plays with like sam cook's blue moon or whatever oh speaking of yeah we didn't mention i mean we sort of did like how they're yeah. all moon songs i mean my it's favorite is songs, when they yeah. play uh bad moon rising by credence clear out yes. <laughs> but yeah it's great um but i think don't, don't they always bring blue moon back when either because it's like the first werewolf attack and I then think so yeah and then um when he transitions and then i think they bring it about back a third time i might be wrong well there, yeah. there's a blue moon version during the credits the, okay the oh, so at the version, end, yeah like because yeah, like three different versions right yes yeah yeah, yeah. yeah i think so um 
There's yeah, the Bonnie Vinton's sl- slow soothing version. Yeah. Uh, that's during the opening credits, and then uh, again, uh, he wanted to do all songs are Moon, and that's a big thing. I'll talk about Moon Shadow by uh, Cat Stevens. Right. Uh, he wanted to get that one, but Cat Stevens was like, nah. Um, oh man. I'll talk about that a little bit later, but um, but yeah, it's uh, he, well, like he wanted Moon songs, and he had, but yeah. it's, it's again, it's the contrast of like of David just all of a sudden going, oh yeah, because like, he's just sitting there yelling. like, was he like, I think he's like reading or something, and yeah. then it's like and he's just screaming, screaming, and he's like, I'm on, I'm. It's like oh, I'm hot and like he's yeah. like screaming and like um, and just rips off his yeah, clothes yeah. and all that stuff. But I think this does like I think what Landis and Baker were going for, right? And then kind of their their conceptually is like this would be a painful process, you know? And, and not that, yeah, that's not to say it's like I like the transition in the original Wolfman because like they did what they could with the techniques at the time because yes. they like focus on his feet, yeah, and like you just slowly see them dissolve and get more like hairy, yeah. And then it cuts to him in the woods walking, like his yeah. feet walking, and then it reveals the full Wolfman. And then we also talked about what was it called again, Werewolf of, of London or Werewolf of London, and yeah. that one was cool too because he keeps like passing. They do. It's I guess it's, Pillars, yeah. it's sort of a Texas switch, but it's the same actor just yeah. in different makeup, and they just like or I guess what. I don't know how you would just like it's like what you would do nowadays, but I don't know how they did it back then because you'd have to like match the frames or whatever. Probably dissolve yeah. some yeah. kind. Of, yeah. yeah, but yeah, and so he just keeps like going past posts, and then as he crosses the next post or wall, he, he's yeah. like more into the werewolf. But here you literally see it like full fledged, full fledged <laughs> transformation. <laughs> transformation. At this point, it seems like it, it's yeah. Think about the context of this time of like yeah. that's so brand new, right? To see this happen. And did the howling come out after this? Or um, let me see. Because regardless, the howling transformation is a little different. As I mentioned earlier, it's like more bubbling. Yes. It's 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 also grotesque, but it doesn't feel as painful as this does, in my opinion. I agree. This yeah. feels painful. Yeah, because I mean, he, and he's screaming. He's like howling was first. Uh, howling came out first. Okay. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's uh. I mean, yeah, this is like that. This is the scene. This all timer scene. You know? It is. It's yeah. great. And I don't know if we've even really topped this since, like, in regards to world transformation. Think so. <laughs> I don't think uh, so. I, I haven't seen the other Wolfman with Del Toro, Del Toro yeah. which Baker also did. Yeah, I mean, it has cool, like, practical makeup, but the transition itself, feel, it's, it's like CG, so yeah. it doesn't feel as, um, I guess, visceral. as real. Yeah, visceral. Vis- visceral is a good word, yeah, yeah as, as this one does. Um, no, this, yeah. I think this is top-notch. Yeah. I think this is uh, of any type of transformation for any type yeah. of monster. Or even or just, like, a body horror sequence. Yeah. This is like, yeah. like, the shot, man, the shot of the eyes, mm-hmm. of the yellow eyes that get bigger right. is... is Feels so modern. I also like when he's like reaching out to the camera and he's kind of like, lo- yeah, he's like looking literally at looking at us. Yeah, yeah. and the and the yeah. hairs coming yeah. out and everything. It's brutal, man. No, it's 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 a it's a great sequence. And then just after that, the following of like the the werewolf like attacks attacks. Well, I love how it's edited. It's like super quick cuts yeah. and yeah. like it, it again feels visceral, feels primal almost. Um, but that subway scene is like subway the one that, amazing. That's also an all timer in my opinion, and that's one of my favorite shots ever. That the one that's aimed down the escalator, and you yeah. see the werewolf like crawling Slowly a frame. Yeah, coming to cr- and, yeah. Going, and then it's his point of view, yeah. the werewolf's point of view, crawling towards him. And then that that was that was one of those hard cuts I was talking about, where it, it goes from like the guy, you see the guy's face, and he's like terrified because the werewolf's coming at him, mm-hmm. and then it cuts to a lion like growling, and then you know he's David's wake up to the zoo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's kind of what I was talking about earlier too. It's like. You go from this suspenseful like sequence here to uh-huh. like a gag, a gag. Yeah, yeah, you know, like now he's naked in the zoo. Right? Yeah, it's kind of sequence based. Cause at nine eleven, he's at the zoo and he's trying to get he gets the kids. Yeah, he's, he, like, oh, he's like in the bush, like hey kid, <laughs> hey kid, and he's like I'm a balloon stealer or whatever. Yeah, he oh, says. balloon thief, yeah, balloon thief. Like, and then he what gets a, it. Why would a balloon thief give me two pounds? <laughs> and what I love is that the the kid goes up to the woman. He's she's like. Uh, a naked man, a naked American man, still have balloons, and she's like, "What?" Yeah, <laughs> that's one of the best one-liners in the movie. What? Right? <laughs> naked American man, still my balloons. Uh, what? 
Yeah, but he's just like in the hey little boy with the balloons. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then another scene I love is when he's at the theater, the porn theater, uh, to see it, C and, next Wednesday. Yeah, and they have all the the victims, all the victims, yeah. and Griffin is like, "Hey, meet this is a cut." Uh, but it's like, I love the like. You have the guy he just killed at the tube, and then it cuts to the couple, and she's like, "Hey there!" Like she's so yeah. like she's still like peppy because she peppy like, she's peppy beforehand. Yeah, because yeah. they're going to a dinner party yeah. when he attacks. Because that's the first people he attacks, right? Because really that's before the, the homeless people. Yes, yeah. it's, it's for the homeless yeah. people. Yeah. Uh, but but they're like going to a let's go around back and scare him. She's like, "Oh, you're naughty" or whatever she, <laughs> she says to the, her, her her guy. Um, and and <laughs> the the couple that's inside like the hear noise. Guys, we. Get, People go in the backyard again or whatever they're so like, yeah. yeah, like hoodlums or whatever. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I also like the scene before that by the fountain where he's where she's where the nurse is trying to like what's what's her character name again? Alex. Alex, yeah. Where Alex is like trying to, like, you know, she's trying to calm him down because he's like clearly hysterical because yeah. he, he just he's just kind of discovered like oh I might have been who attacked all these people the previous yeah. night. Um, and then of course the theater scene confirms that. But yeah, it's like another moment where their relationship kind of, um takes his turn because mm-hmm. he's like he's like I love you but I can't be with you because I'm worried I'm gonna you know attack you or, yeah, or yeah. Something, something's gonna happen you know so and that's all that's always kind of the thing is I'm trying to think of another example that does that where it's like it's the yeah I can't be with because I I'm gonna come after you what's another I feel like what's another I've watched this recently it's an absolute boy world boy's world that does it because oh. Corey Corey gets to he's Corey's, to a world yeah really oh wow should have watched that <laughs> for, as as research <laughs> it's a certain episode Did they, not, does he, how does he get Non werewolf anymore. Is uh, it a potion or something? Or an it's it's just it's an absurd episode. He was never a werewolf. He just thinks he's turning into a werewolf because he was he thought he was bit by a a, 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 a rabbit a, dog, a, a, a rabid werewolf. <laughs> and, oh yeah. Okay. And so he goes. So he, he actually goes to Mad Moose's guy or whatever, who's played by Phyllis Diller, um, who's supposed to be like this psychic who's like, you're gonna turn into a wolf. <laughs> and she she's like, and it's and it's but established the whole rule of like like. So you're gonna kill someone you love or whatever, right. and it's like Topanga. He's like, I don't know, you can't hear yeah. me. I'm gonna kill you or whatever. I'm, I'm gonna turn to a werewolf and we'll kill you. Uh, but he has one image where like he he's in front of the mirror and he thinks he's turning to a werewolf, so he like, has like long hair and he's oh. like, ah. <laughs> um, and it takes place on Halloween night. Anyway, that's the Boyan's World pitch. It's, uh, it's not a great episode. Oh, it's not, but not, it's fun. Not it's fun. It's fun. Um, but back to the theater scene, I yeah. do love how he kind of plays with the mythology a little bit because he's because he's talking about like shooting him because they're trying to get him to silver commit bullet, suicide. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And he's like, oh, maybe I, I wouldn't have to put a silver bullet. And, and Griffin's like, what? Do you, be serious, man. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Yeah, but I, I do like how he plays with that. Um, but but like we mentioned earlier, it's like that he he's kind of sets up this idea of. Um, he says like he has this idea that oh the somebody who lo- only somebody who loves the werewolf yeah. can kill them, um, but then I don't think the ending pays that off in my opinion. I mean yes she admits yes. her love for him, but she's not the one that actually no, kills you. No, know, in my they, they shoot him is what it right was. right because yeah because because I mean, even even the 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 villagers at the beginning when they kill that guy like they, right they just blow him up. Yeah. They love him. I don't know. Maybe I don't know. Maybe he was, like, he was a town I, We mentioned that- this, but I do love when when the when the doctor when John Woodvine Doctor Hirsch goes back to the town. And he talks to the dark yeah. player, and they're out like you just. And they're like, he's like, we should, we should have stopped him. Like we yeah. should have let him in. And the guy, the the guy who's telling the jokes, just like, what are you doing? They like, leave or whatever. Yeah. That was kind of a good like tense moment. I like. He's like, that's enough. That's yeah. enough. Yeah. Um, and the Piccadilly Circus is sequence is great when they're when they're at the they're like London's version of Times Square Piccadilly Circus. Right. Uh, the ending and all the ending coming yeah. out of the theater and yeah, great we'll talk, piece. We'll talk about more about that later, but yeah. um, yeah, just great. It's a tight movie. That's the thing. I I think um, 
And Atlantis said previously he wished he, he showed less of the transformation scene. Interesting. But I think I think it's fine. I think it works. He said less less the transformation scene. I think he had more of like of like Griffin. I think there's one where Griffin Dunn was like eating a sandwich and it came out of his throat or something. Oh, that's but it was too grotesque for people. I mean, that'd be kind of funny. Um, and then I think there's maybe more of the sex scene and he cut that down. I was like, that's fine. Yeah. I think I think transform I think transformation is enough. I think I think it's 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 very well done. I agree. I'm in agreement. We were attacked by a werewolf. I'm not listening to this. On the moors, we were attacked by a lycanthrope. A werewolf. I was murdered. An unnatural death. And now I walk the earth in limbo until the werewolf's curse is lifted. Shut up. The wolf's bloodline must be severed. The last remaining werewolf must be destroyed. It's you, David. What? Please believe me. You'll kill people. Nurse! Listen to me! Nurse! The supernatural, the power of darkness, it's all true. The undead surround me. Have you ever talked to a corpse? It's boring. I'm lonely. Take your life, David. Kill yourself before you kill others. Onset life. So as I said, only only uh, only four Americans were given work permits. Uh, their requests, or only four American work permits, were requested by the British government for the production. Director John Landis, Rick Baker, David Naughton, and Griffin Dunn. Uh, the first three were granted by the British government without question, but the British Office of Actors' Equity questioned the nece- necessity of a work permit for Griffin Dunn, claiming there were already plenty of young American actors living in Great Britain who could portray the role of Jack. Uh, Landis threatened to rewrite the script and retitle it An American Werewolf in Paris uh, unless they considered re- granting Dunn his work permit. Didn't they make that later, though? They yeah, did. Yeah. He was not involved in it. Right, no, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Ameri- no, and, and 16 years later. Uh, Baker and Landis had several disagreements over what design of the werewolf should be. I don't know if it's pre... Maybe, maybe it's pre-set life or whatever, but Baker... It was because they were designing it for so long. Baker wanted it to be a two-legged werewolf. Landis wanted it to be a four-legged werewolf is what it was. The werewolves in the Howling were, I think, two-legged is what it yeah. was. Um, the film was actually shot apparently in sequence, so it was shot in oh, order interesting. For, well, the, for the most part. Yeah. I think and there might be a few things that were not, but yeah. Back to that point, though, I think that's one thing that separates this is that he's on all fours. I agree. Yeah, because like yeah, because the howling, it's more. There's still more humanoid, and I think Wolfman's yes. more humanoid, you know, or even that werewolf of London, which I haven't seen. I've just seen that transformation scene. That he's also more humanoid in, yeah. in, in a sense of like his his stature and whatnot. Actually, yeah. becomes a wolf. Yeah, like the shapeshifter, yeah. this lycanthrope. I think right. I think it works. Yeah. Um. When talking about the makeup, uh, Griffin said that I look like well, the first time, the first one, the stage one makeup. He said, I look, I've been killed just a few minutes earlier, and it was really unsettling. Uh, Naughton remembers walking through Piccadilly Circus with Dunn in the final stage makeup when he's like in the uh, porn theater. Yeah. He's like, people were clearing a nice big path for us when we walked by. <laughs> um, the exterior of the slaughtered lamb was actually in Wells, but the interior was in Surrey. So they actually shot oh, wow. like two months. One, one, they shot in Wales first because the whole opening of the movie was shot, I think, first when they were in uh, coming off the, 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 the truck and everything. And then the moors, that was all shot originally uh, in Wales or shot first in Wales. And so they shot the exterior of the slaughtered lamb. And they came back to England and Surrey later on, like a month or two later to shoot uh, the interior. The interior. Um, for uh, or one of the things when they're in Wales, apparently Griffin Dunn talked about he was using the bathroom like uh, like uh, 
the facilities in the, in the trailer or whatever. And it was tied to a, like a truck or whatever. And the truck decided to leave and Griffin Dunn was still in the back and they didn't know it. And then, and no one knew that Griffin Dunn was in the truck. So like, where's Griffin? And they're like pissed that he wasn't there. And they had to find out later that he was being basically, I don't know how they stopped him. They stopped the truck and he was in the back of the thing. He was like, <laughs> that guy was about to go to London. I was about to be all the way back and they wouldn't notice me. Oh man. Um, but yeah. Uh, so for the kind of big transformation scene, well, also I'll say this first. Um, Landis wanted, wanted the movie to have bad weather, so they purposely shot in February and March of, of uh, I guess, probably 81, maybe, is what it is. Let me see. Uh, yeah, 81. Um, he liked the poor weather of England. Uh, according to production notes, when they shot in the Welsh town of Kickerdarn, Cri- I'm sorry, Crickadarn, Crickadarn, that's the name, uh, it had snow, sleet, rain, and extensive sunshine all in one day. Wow. Um, this caused problems for David Naughton because he was told to res if it were warm. He said, that's rather difficult to do because it's cold and you have no shoes on. I don't jog on bare feet in any weather, even back in California. That's the hardest part. You're running in wooded areas on slick paths, trying not to look going ow, ow, ouch. And they were saying, come on, it's warm. It's a dream. You're leaping. You're like a deer. Could just go for it. Yeah. For the transformation scene, they actually built the stage up on top of a floor, which we talked about this in Little Shop before. So the same thing for the plant there. Is they built it up so they have puppeteers underneath it to like right. do all the transformation stuff. Um, yeah, because there's one point where he, where he's like he's he's stre- his body is stretched yes. and like you can tell. Well, I don't know if you can tell if, if you think I, about if, it. If, if you think about he's it, he's clearly he's standing, standing, and then the legs are fake, all fake. Yeah, yes, yeah. I agree. Um, but look, it's, it looks great. Yeah, yeah. Um, Lance also shot in the daylight so they could not hide anything. So they couldn't hide anything in shadows. So everything had to be seen. Um, for most puppeteers, which on Little Shop we talked about this, they use cables to kind of do everything for like for like a push pull or whatever. But this they use like syringes to push the skin out. Oh, interesting. So that's how it gets the well, when the ha- when his face expands. When his face expands, yeah. yeah. And same with the hand, probably right. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and they did this for four days. Uh, they shot when they shot him at the at his hairiest first, and then worked their way backwards. Interesting. And so when the hair's coming out, they actually had they, they basically reversed it where the hair yeah. was already out, and they pulled it in. Oh, it that's was. cool. Um, for the close up expanding uh, of of the face kind of protruding, yeah. Landis did two takes and said, "Great, we got it." And Rick Baker's like, "What? I spent six months on this. We're only doing two takes." And Landis like, "Well, can't do anything else." He's like. No, and like cool, we're good. <laughs> <laughs> and Baker was so disappointed. I mean, he I heard two takes, and then Baker said it was only one take, and it only took seven seconds. And Baker felt he wasted his time <laughs> on, on it. I mean, that's one of the and, more memorable yeah. shots in my opinion. Until and he said yeah. until he saw the test oh, screening yeah. Yeah. where they applauded for just that one shot. Yeah. Um, the scene where the werewolf runs runs riot in Piccadilly Circus was actually filmed at busy intersection in Piccadilly Circus. Um, at that point, they had not let anyone shoot in Piccadilly Circus and since 1967. So, oh wow, 14 years because someone had set off a smoke bomb during the filming of their of the Joker's Michael Winter, uh, uh, and they set off an unannounced smoke bomb, and the director that got the footage and like sped off in a taxi and left, and like created this whole like mayhem. <laughs> well, Landis was able to like because he had worked with the police on Chicago in Chicago for Blues Bros because. Blues Bros is another place where they hadn't shot in Chicago in a long time. Yeah. And, and they that, were the first ones to and, really go in there and shoot And that car chase is insane. Yeah, and basically they said, hey, we can safely do this. Yeah. Um, 
and so because of his experience on Blues Brothers, that allowed him to work with the police and the Metropolitan like Public Service stuff, um, uh, police service and everything to get this to work. So he invited, uh, well, I guess he, what, what prompted is that he invited them to watch Blues Brothers is what it was. And so he had 300 people from London for these people that need to kind of approve this to watch Blues Brothers. They were so impressed by it, they granted the production to do a two-night filming permit from 1 a.m. to 4 a.m. That's it? That's it. And that is wild, because that's a big chunk of the this ending is at the yeah. circus. Um, traffic was stopped only three times for two-minute increments to film the automobile stunts doing the uh, involving the double-decker bus. Um, so, yeah, so six how hours. The, how the hell do they do that, dude? I have no clue. It's wild. They were able to do that in that amount of time. He was was very, the alley also part of this? Probably not the alley. Yeah, okay, Probably but still, big, but still, yeah. all that, all that stuff. I mean, that's insane. All dude. the cars, yeah. all the bus, buses, and everything. Damn, dude. And 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 think, six hours total. Yeah, yeah. And he only stopped traffic three times for two minute increments. So, whatever you get is what you use. Is what yeah. it is. That's wild. Oh yeah, back to. Oh, I forgot this part. The transformation scene apparently took David Naughton said it took six days to complete. Roughly ten hours a day was spent on just applying the makeup. Dude. Five hours on set, three hours of, of makeup removal. So 18-hour day. <laughs> Whew. Because the makeup took so long to apply and remove, there was only enough time for one setup a day. Rick Baker estimated that only, on, that only half an hour of footage was shot during the entire week. That's insane, yeah. man. So aftermath. <laughs> That's mind-blowing. Um, an interview... Uh, Along or a while ago, John Lennon said that during a preview for the test screen or during a test screen, they included a scene where you actually saw David as the werewolf kill the three homeless men in oh, the really? junkyard. But they said for the rest of the preview, people were, were afraid or basically they reacted so strongly and loudly. He was afraid they wouldn't pick up on the plot points that were happening afterwards. They, they might miss him because they were so terrified or whatever to by that by that attack. Um, Yeah, by attack. He had that he felt. Uh, it was a bad idea because it might have made the movie stand out more if we would have kept it in there. Interesting. It was such a strong scene. Yeah. But he felt he gave up, he wanted to do story instead of that. Yeah, I mean, it works without it, but now I'm curious to see that scene. What it would have been like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For the music stuff, as I said, they, they used um, Van Morrison's Moondance for when they when they have sex. Uh, bad, moves and ri- bad Moon Rising when he's like kind of hanging around the apartment. They used different versions of Blue, Blue Moon. Um, Bernstein did uh, a few things for for music they tried to get Moonshadow by cat stevens but cat stevens had recently converted to islam and he felt the movie was too violent and like scary mm. to do uh it go with his his ideas or his his viewpoints and i think landis was like yeah Moonshadow is about like a lot of weird stuff too so but stevens is like no or you yeah you yeah um, I don't know, Yusef, what was his name at that? What was his name? Yusef Islam, yeah. Um, Yusef, Yusef Islam. Um, but uh, but yes, they didn't add it in there. But they had all, all and, and and Don and Naughton said they don't know why he didn't actually get uh, Warren Zavon's uh, American Werewolf of London, yeah, or, or uh, Werewolves of London, Werewolves of London, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, because I was wondering about that. I was like, did that come out after or no, when? after? Was it was it well, also was, was Car Money after or before? Because uh, I mean, it was after, wasn't it? It was. Yeah. It was. Um. So, uh, it was released on August twenty first, nineteen eighty one. 
and it made $30 million at the box office in the U.S. with a total of $62 million worldwide against its $6 million budget. So, so went under budget uh, than what they initially thought would be $10 million. Uh, mostly well-received by critics. Uh, Ebert, not a fan, gave it two stars. So it seems curiously unfinished, as if director John Lennon spent all of his energy on spectacular set pieces and then didn't want, to, didn't want to bother with things like transitions, character development, or an ending. Interesting. I don't know if I... I disagree with that. Yeah. I, yeah, he never went back on it. Probably not. Interesting. He watches a lot of movies. Yeah. Um, I I think I I think what makes it is that the ending's so abrupt is the thing. It's a, no, it, I love the I love I, that. The ending's amazing yeah. with that. Um, uh, and, and, and and that song, you know, throwing that, you know, doing that that version, the, that specific the, the version. Yeah, like, yeah. Again, it's the contrast. That's what yeah. I think is so strong is that is how he contrasts like the music with the images. Mm-hmm. Is that this like he just died, yeah. like was shot dead in this alleyway and it's just like uh blue moon like like, yeah. like and it's the doo-wop up-tempo version it's yeah. i'm re- it's it's so effective i yeah. think so effective i'm in agreement um so raj you're you wrong on that one there buddy um when they, when they did a premiere of it apparently because they had i think in new york they do like the press junkets as you know apparently griffin dunn because he was so new to filmmaking didn't know that you just like left when it was done he actually stayed at the hotel for a whole other week he goes, when you guys all left, I stayed at the hotel for a week and Universal just paid for it. They never even noticed. <laughs> I had this crappy little apartment in the village and I just lived uptown at the Stanhope Hotel living on room service for the entire week. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, That's awesome. It was a big hit. And also, the big thing, again, it's Rick, Rick Baker's coming out party. Yeah. Um, It would win the first ever make, Best Makeup Award at the Academy oh, Awards. No there was a lot of controversy the year before when the Elephant Man... It needed. To, it wasn't recognized in any way, so they added this best makeup award for the Oscars, and so Rick Baker was the first huh. to receive an Oscar for this new category. I never knew Elephant Man was the impetus for that, but it makes sense. Yeah. So, what was nominated? Let me see. It was only two movies, oh. so so that's why. Heartbeats. Heartbeeps. I don't know what that is. Stan Winston did the uh, oh. the makeup for it. Um, directed by Alan Arkush, who did. Uh, oh yeah, I follow him on Letterboxd. <laughs> oh really? Yeah. He's seventy five. He's on Letterboxd. Yeah. I know he did Hollywood Boulevard and Rock and Roll High School. The high, Rock and Roll High School is the one I know him from. Um, but uh, but yeah, that, that Actually, was. Yeah, I don't think he liked this. No, no, no. Oh, let me because I remember looking and. Uh... <laughs> That's kind of funny if he doesn't. <laughs> let me double check. He's like, screw that movie that beat us out for the Oscar. No, he he didn't rate it. But it must have been somebody okay. another movie I watched recently that he didn't. He didn't like for it. Yeah. Um. But yeah, one best makeup. And then it essentially kind of become uh, the movie's been like kind of a big legacy in terms of the comedy horror genre, um, inspiring many filmmakers. I know Edgar Wright talked about was the big influence for uh, for Shaun of the Dead, and I think that was the reason I watched this initially. I think was because in college, right, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, I mean, with Beetlejuice, Beale Ju- kind of cite Beetlejuice, Evil Dead Two, Gremlins is kind of movies that blended genres um, in a way similar to American Wolf in London. As I said, Jack Michael Jackson hired Landis and Rick Baker because of their work on this movie. Um, there was a radio adaptation of this movie later on uh, in eighty in nineteen ninety seven, featuring um, the same British cast. Is what it was. But uh, but yeah. So I guess with all that big big success at the box office, big uh, um, critical hit except Raj. Uh, it did win Best Horror Film at the Saturn Awards that year as well. Um, 
so yeah, so what worked about this movie, David? I think when you talked about it, it has some great uh, one-liners, some great gags, like comedic gags, and but also has some really sus- suspenseful sequences. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, the makeup is insane. The mm-hmm. the the special effects are, are insane. Um, I and I and I do like how this handles the attacks. I, I really like that because it, like it feels very, like these quick cuts and this like not necessarily showing everything. Mm-hmm. Um, except for kind of the Griffin Griffin uh, Griffin's uh, death. Yeah. But um, like his attacks, uh, yeah. David's attacks are, are like pretty quick and uh, other than the suspenseful sequence in the in the tube. But yeah, the it's. Uh, but even that, it's not shown. Yeah, like, yeah. Him actually getting attacked. So I think that makes it more visceral in a sense, like, like kind of what we talked about when we did Texas Chainsaw Massacre. We we fill in the gaps there. Yeah, yeah, yeah I agree. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it is really effective. Um, and yeah, it's uh, and and that was interesting to me, Ebert saying that about the character development because, uh, I think this largely focuses on their relationship. You know, yeah. for the first hour. Um, well, at least from when he meets the nurse until yeah, yeah. until he starts to transition. Um. So that's interesting to me that he yeah. pointed that out um, as a cri- criticism. But yeah, I, I think, think the ending. I think the ending. Yeah. I think the ending is is a yeah. strong. I think strong ending. I agree. I think. I think. I think once he transforms, kind of onward, it's a pretty. I don't. I don't say near perfect, but it's pretty close to like. Yeah. No, there's not. No, there's not really like kind of false beats. After that transformation, maybe some beforehand for sure. Yeah, it takes a bit to get in. It's like the basically. From like when he gets to the hospital to the transformation is where it's wonky to yeah, me. Yeah, it drags a little. We'll bit. get into that, yeah. that next. Um, but kind of pre-hospital and then after transformation, I think it's pretty yeah. near perfect on the money. Yeah. yeah. Um. So what didn't work about this movie? Yeah, I think that work? section that you were talking about. <laughs> but I mean, my issue with it uh-huh. is I don't fully. Bu- I buy. I buy their romance at the end. Yes. I buy their love confessions, but I don't necessarily buy us getting there. Does that make sense? I agree. Okay, cool. Um I just think it's too easy for him. It, really it doesn't is. feel it doesn't it, really it doesn't is. feel authentic. It's like, like, hey And yeah, I mean he is an American traveler. I've only had sex with this many people. Yeah. I want to have sex with you now. Yeah. Let's have sex for a bit. Three of them were one night stands. Yeah. Yeah. It's like um yeah, she just kinda spells it out for him. It's like, nah, she could play mind games. She's not gonna just spell it out. Yeah, uh, I know. I agree. But I, but I, but I, but I do see. Well, one, he's an American traveling abroad, so that gives him that attraction level. Mm-hmm. Also, again, this idea that she nursed him back to hell. I think there's something yeah. going on there, and who knows? Maybe she has some something, some kink there. But, uh, yeah. but no, I think, but I think, th- I think it works in the third act. Like their, I agree. Their love confessions to each other, um, and him wanting to protect her. I think that works. Yeah, it's just it's yeah. that middle part where you don't yeah. really see, like, like building to it. I, I wish we got there a little cleaner, or, or cleaner's not the right yeah, word. I wish, well, I wish yeah. it worked, worked yeah. better. It's it's like you don't really see them fall in love, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. You believe it when they're actually in love. Right. You don't fully see the falling in love right. bit of it all. And they even just, after that, first, yeah. before he kind of finds out that he attacked them, yeah. he's still kind of like, it feels more physical in the like how he's react, like how yes. he's acting around her. Yes. Um, until kind of that fountain scene where he confesses that he's in love with her and, and says, you know, I want to protect you. That That feels like... That feels more authentic. I agree, uh, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, I agree. he wrote this when he was young, so the first draft when he was young, 69, so maybe nineteen yeah. years old. So. It's, it's a young man's yeah. dream of like, and he also he is a co- he's a college student, didn't he, David? Or yes. or he's young. He's a young man. I regardless. think I think he's yeah. yeah. Or he's a young man. Regardless, he's yeah. probably early twenties. Or, or, or I do love him. Griffin Dunn's talking about when he's talking about this, being like, yeah, the girl like that girl like she had sex with this guy, man. What the hell? Oh, because doesn't he say that? Um, she. Uh, what does he he say? He's 
uh, like you talking about Griffin, Dun- the girl he's yeah, uh, the girl he's trying to sleep, sleep with. He says something like she says like I, I care about you too much or something. Yeah. To him. <laughs> I care about you too, too much. To that, you. Yeah, yeah. Something along those lines. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that cracked me up. Um, wild. Um, all right. So film facts. I, I mentioned the werewolf in London part, the movie that was in before. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that, that talk about the the sound that you hear. Uh, uh, George Falsey, I think, said it was like two different sounds, like an elephant and a wolf that you hear when, when the wolf roll, roars or whatever, or, or howls. Landis said... It was nine different sounds. A wolf, a lion, a panther, and even a locomotive, which somewhat makes sense when I said metallic is the thing. Yeah. Uh, the other sound you hear after the first tact out on the moors was actually a pig farm recorded from a distance. It was, he said it was something just to make the audience go, what the hell is that? Let's see. There, there was a sequel, An American Werewolf in Paris. Uh, different cast and crew was actually made by Hollywood, Picture, Hollywood Pictures, which is a Disney uh, banner, but it would be poorly received and wouldn't make any money. Mm. Start Tom Everett Scott and Julie Delpy. Wow, that's surprising. Um, yeah, wait, when did that come out? Two thousand? No, sorry, ninety-seven. So that's after before. That's uh, after before sunrise. Wow. I mean, whatever, man. Wait, hey, that would be a funny double bill there. Before sunrise, <laughs> and American Wolf in Paris. <laughs> what if that's why she didn't go back to the train station? You think you think Hawk's character? Wow, that'd be amazing. Yeah, Rick, Rick, we got we got to do that. Um, (laughs) So they've been trying to make a A reboot for a while, right? Or or a remake, I guess. Reboot, remake, and and at one point, his son was going to do it, right? Max Lamb was going to do it, and then he got canceled. Um, He recently had a YouTube video where he like addressed that stuff, and I'm like, man, what what are you doing here? Okay, but more 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 recently in. 2019, uh, Robert Kirkman, creator of The Walking Dead, uh, comic book series, was in consideration to serve as a producer for a new reboot of the of American Werewolf. Oh no, way. he's London. from Kentucky. Oh, is he? Yeah. Robbie Kirkman. Mm-hmm. Oh, Lexington. Oh, he's yeah. from, he's from your hometown. Yeah. Um, and I think the uh, Ravens... the original artist on the graphic novel or on the comics was was from Kentucky as well. Oh, they were cool. like best friends in growing up, or at least in high school. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so awards, the Beatrice Strait Award, actor, actual with scenes that killed. Well, actually, back backtrack. Danny Network, how do you feel about the flashback of the zombie of the of the Nazi zombies or I, Nazi? It things? just feels kind of out. It's odd, right? I mean, I get it. It's his sense of humor, yes. but it just feels weird because the other dream sequences are more uh, ethereal, or I don't know what the yeah. word you'd use to describe it. They're more. They they feel more dreamlike. That just feels yeah, yeah. like oh, this is a quick like action scene. And, yeah, like, yeah. They're, like blowing up his place and like yeah, killing his family. Right. Or, so yeah, yeah I, I I want to dive more into this is more complete episode. But I want to dive more into the idea of the Jewish otherness that's trying to talk about of like yeah, we're bringing that into it all. Like what that has to do with it, maybe. I mean that that's probably that's probably the thing that makes the most sense to me. Um, yeah, because they're they're Nazis. Like, yeah, clear, yeah. But, um, but yeah. I mean, I guess it's the concept of them also being monsters. I don't know, and but also where it comes, it's like because he's he's just had this other dream yeah. scene of the being in the werewolf point of view, like yeah. running around the forest. So it just kind of feels like, wait, what are we doing here? I well, know. I don't like that. I do like the 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 jump scare of when right after when he wakes up and she opens the window and jumps out again. Yeah, I yeah. do like that moment. Yeah. Um, but it, yeah, because he does he does look, like like I said, he's like he does his hard cuts, and then it's like the next scene is a yeah. loud sound. Yeah, it, it really works. Like those yeah. transitions really work. I think. I agree. And so, but sometimes it's for a gag, like, for example, when it cuts to the zoo. You're like, wait, yes. how do we end up here? <laughs> um, oh, I also heard that uh, uh, they, that that thing had shot so long, and David Naughton's like, oh, when did you guys get extras? Like, the zoo's open, man. And he's, like, in there, like, naked. Oh, no way. Yeah. Um, 
Did anyway. they, they had to have told the extras, right, that they were going to have a Here's naked man running. a naked man yeah. in the zoo. I don't know. Because, uh, like, yeah, you can get in some trouble there, huh? Apparently, yeah. yeah. I mean, they must have had a permit for that. I hope so. <laughs> uh, awards. Uh, the Beatrice Trade Award. Actor, actress, one saying it kills it. I Would the doctor count? Or are you going to give it to Griffin? I think Griffin's in too many scenes. Griffin's in too many scenes. Yeah. So would the doctor count? Or maybe one of the townspeople. I would go with the dart guy. I would, yeah. go, I would go with the darts player. Hold on. Yeah. Or, or the guy who does the jokes. Which one do you want? Let me get these names. Well, I do like the dart player because you kind of see his change of heart. I think so, too. Yeah. Hold on. I, let me get his name. because I, I knew. Or, or you see a sense of remorse. I don't know about a change of I heart. I agree. I agree. Oh, David Schofield. Okay. David Schofield. Another David. Another David. David, David was in... Um, I know he was in Pirates... Uh, Curse of the Black Pearl or one of the other? I thought he was. Yeah, he was in Dead Man's Chest and, and at World's End. Okay. He's he's um one of the bad guys. Uh, one of David Jones? Dave, David, no, no, no. He's one of the oh. bad guys for the, the British trading company. Oh, East okay. Indian trading company. Gotcha. Um, he's in Gladiator. He's in Oh, yeah, he's in From Hell. He He's, where is he in From Hell? He's like a... I've never actually seen that. Oh, you haven't seen From Hell? Yeah, uh, it's interesting. Yeah. It's a it's an interesting world, I will say. Yeah, well, I've I heard the graph. I don't, I don't yeah. know if it's yeah. a, it's a great adaptation. Yeah, um, he was also in the Wolfman. Oh, so the I wonder. I, yeah, I wonder if that was oh, wow. if that if there was some reason connection there. That. Yeah. Hello. Hey, listen, that, that boy's in danger. I mean, it was a mistake. Don't let him leave here. There's something wrong with this place. That much I understand. It's the one who lived. He's the one who's in danger, and not just him. Others will be too. It's almost full moon. He'll change. He'll... That's enough! That's enough. Amy Potts X Factor Award, supporting actor, actress is the most memorable. Now you now Griffin, Griffin Dunn. Yeah, this is Griffin sure. Dunn, hands down. Without no one question. else. Sorry to anyone else in this cast. Griffin Dunn, hands down. It is it. He is the comedic heartbeat of this movie. <laughs> Has some of the best lines. Yeah. But also like kind of the heart of the movie in a way. Yeah. It's just like He's like, yeah, we're both man. in we're both in the shit. You just yeah, gotta man. deal. You just kinda gotta die yeah. so I can die. But I just love that they're like even in death, in death, he's still like that kind of best friend that just gives him shit, you know. <laughs> Ever talk to a corpse? It's boring. <laughs> I love it. Oh man! And also, this is a very different role from After Hours. Um, oh yeah, 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 like, yeah, very, yeah, very much so. Yeah. I mean, he's young for this. Be a Griffin yeah. Dunn, Annie Potts. You're right. It is. Uh, okay. Well, what do you say? We go in for a little food, huh? drink, rest. The slaughtered lamb. That's kind of strange. Where's the lamb? It's probably inside getting cold. Come on. No, really. What kind of ad is that for a pub? I don't know. Would you rather the Hilton? All right. But whatever happens, it's, it's your fault. fault. Right. All right, come on. All right, the Gene Hackman MVP award, person who carries the movie, director, actor, etc. Go, ba- go, go ahead. Go Baker. ahead. Go ahead, David. I'm, I'm, I'm nominating Baker. I would agree with you, actually. <laughs> I actually, that was my pick. And, yeah. not, and, and this has nothing to do with John Landis, with, with, with stuff we talked about at the beginning of the show. Well, I think the hard comedy is amazing. I think Baker's makeup is so, and effects is so extraordinary. I mean, that's what brings it to life. Because this movie but, yeah. would, would po- could possibly suck if that doesn't work. I, yeah, I agree. 
like that that thing got hinged got hinge on is that like it shows like I've seen the howling the howling's transformations aren't as memorable to me as these these are to me in my opinion I mean that's fair yeah, I, yeah. I like the howling transformation it's just different but it's that's, different, that's yeah. not fair. like no that, I mean again this is that scene that everybody references from this movie yes and, and also like in regards to like again like a top notch not only like werewolf transformation but just body horror sequence like yeah. it's up there because, yeah. and also just, it's just he, he he becomes this one of the biggest forces of makeup yeah. effects. Oh yeah, yeah. And this is kind of his. Well, I mean, like he'd done things before, but this is kind of the. This is coming out. Legit, he yeah. he did like some Star Wars stuff yeah. beforehand on certain second unit stuff, but like he like this is where like I'm a name now. Like, I'm a name, yeah. and somehow he able is create like it's very uh, it's very insane to kind of think that he, this movie and him as a, as artist is like it became a he became essential like Rick right. Baker makeup effects oh yeah, like, yeah. became a thing yeah. like I mean he's probably one of the most like like I know he's not a household name in, in a sense but he would be if if that was like he's a house, one of the most recognizable right. names exactly. in his field in right. his field for sure is the thing um is that in terms of prosthetics and what he can do mm-hmm. very few people can have been able to do it consistently it's like even in like even in bad movies he makes prosthetics and stuff right, and look right. good is the yeah. thing that's what's insane and like it's a shame that we don't have more stuff like that because I think I think at one point he talked about a few years ago he was closing down his his it, effects shop. Yeah, I remember reading about that because he's like, "There's no no one wants to make movies that I was making anymore." Yeah. Um. So yeah, he retired in 2018. Is what it was. Um. Like I think Mur- Eddie Murphy was kind of the only one that really kind of had him do stuff. Yeah, it's like he did Men in Black Three 2012, Maleficent 2014, and that was the last one. Wow. Um, but he, he officially retired in 2015. He goes, first of all, the CG stuff definitely took away the animatronics part of what I do. It's also starting to take away the makeup part. The time is right. I'm 64 years old. Business is crazy right now. I like to do things right, and they want it cheap and fast. That's not what I want to do. So I decided to basically time to get out. I would consider designing and consulting on something, but I don't think I will have a huge working studio anymore. Man, that's sad. Yeah. But you think about it, like Tom Savini doesn't really do that stuff yeah. as much, you know? Um, I don't know what, Rob, what Rob's working on. I mean, I guess Walking Dead for a while had yeah. Nicotero, right, doing mm-hmm. doing stuff. But it's like, yeah, I mean, this is like kind of a lost, not a lost art. Like, th- I think there's still yeah. th- that element of design that he's talking about. But it's not as, like, practical yeah. as, as it used to be. How many Oscars do you think he's won for best makeup? Oh, I don't know, man. But a ton. Seven. Yeah, Jesus Christ. Seven. You can't, what, what are the movies? Uh, American Werewolf in London. American Werewolf in London. That's so hard to say. I said it too fast. Uh, Harry and the Hendersons. Oh, wow. Ed Wood. Okay. The Nelly Professor, Men in Black, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, and The Wolfman. Wow. The ones he lost for were Greystroke, The Legend of Tarzan, Lord of the Apes. Never seen. Lost for Coming to America. Lost for Life. Uh, and Lost for Norbit. So he lost for two, for three Eddie Murphy movies. Wow. Yeah, he's a, he did one, two, three, four, four Eddie Murphy movies is what it was. All good stuff. All, the mega effects for all those movies are great. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so he, so he, I'll go Rick Baker. Let's do it. Let's stop Rick Baker. What can I say, Jack? You don't have to say anything, David. Aren't you going to say I told you so? If I were still alive, I probably would. But I did tell you so, you schmuck. You look awful. Thank you. I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean it. I don't know what I'm saying. I don't even know if it was me that killed those people last night. I don't remember doing it. What about the zoo? Well, 
even if I'm not the wolf man, I'm crazy enough to do something like that. I mean, look at me. Here I sit in a porno theater in Piccadilly Circus talking to a corpse. Final questions. Who would you cast in a modern remake of American Werewolf in London? I didn't even think about this. Shit. How dare you? Well, you know how important like that duo is going to be? The leads. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, one nurse pops out of me is Daisy Edgar Jones. Okay, I, uh, I'll do that. Is one I could see doing it. For any British actresses, right. and she's around that deep, that age. I mean, we just we just pitched this on um on Little Shop of Horrors for something, but would Radcliffe being a Radcliffe be good for one of these? Yeah, uh, and he also likes doing weird genre he stuff. He does. He does. Uh, but you see him more as. I, I see him more as I kind of see him more as as Griffin. Griffin Dunn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. I agree. At least now, maybe when he was like maybe like right post Harry Potter, I could see him as. I agree. But yeah. Um. So let's go with that. Man, David Crumholtz would have killed this a long time ago. David, time time David, machine. Yeah, yeah. yeah time he, machine he, he would he would have killed Griffin Dunn's yeah, part. He would have been sure. amazing in Griffin Dunn's part. For sure. Um. Just make it Rupert Grant. Why not? I, I, mean, I honestly was thinking that, but shit, just do the cast of Harry Potter. Yeah. <laughs> hey guys, <laughs> um, it was like even uh, with uh, Emma Watson yeah, for, as the nurse. Yeah. <laughs> I thought about that too. I didn't want to go too crazy. Like with just that. straight, like we'd make this in Twitter. You know, what, what, what didn't the last one come out? Twenty twelve or twenty eleven? Uh, twenty eleven, I believe. Yeah, so yes. we make this right when, right then, right then. Yeah. With all three of them, time travel, yeah, 2010s. I'm trying I mean, to see if there's any rumors about who was going to be in the in the reboot, but I don't know if they ever got to casting. Oh man, or this this I man, this is bad. I don't know. I don't know if people feel about this, but what if you did what if you did Logan Lerman in in the role of David Naughton's character of, De- of David? I I could see it. I think he you add, can say no. It's fine. No, no, no. I'm fine with it. I just think he it, it'll be it would feel a little different. But I mean, I how, how would you it find would, it? Yeah. yeah. I could I could see it though, and he, he I feel like he would. Yeah, I think he'd be good. He would play well off. It'd, it'd be funny play, seeing him play off. Oh, right. you know he could be good as Alex Wolf. Oh, dude, yes, you're right, Alex Wolf. Yeah, no, yeah. that's the move. Alex like, Wolf and I, I, I just rewatched Hereditary. Definitely, dude. I think Alex Wolf and yeah. him would be good. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that'd be funny. And then Daisy Edgar Jones for the yeah. nurse. I'm down with this. I'm cool with this cast. I think it's a good cast. It's a solid cast right there. All right, next question: Does this film fit with any other genres? I mean, Besides I, monster movie. Yeah, I mean, I, that blend of horror and horror comedy. comedy. Yeah, yep. I agree. Uh, um, I mean, I guess you could argue ro- romance. Uh, I, I don't. I mean, it's not. That's not the. I mean, it is. Yeah. I mean, it is an important element. It's not the the centerpiece. Yeah, of the movie. I don't know if I did that. Is it a road trip movie? It, I think it would it, be. Yeah, I think it would be if he left London. Yeah. I mean, like it's like the, it starts as that because that's starts their whole the thing. They're all gonna movie. backpack. Yeah. I think it's it's kind of firmly in the horror comedy monster movie world. Yeah, is the thing. Yeah. Um, so we'll go with that. And then well, is it is it a coming of age? Well, I guess if he didn't die at the end, maybe we could argue it's. Coming thing, though, that's the thing. Werewolves though. Yeah. Werewolves tends to be like it's part yeah. of a coming of age yeah. storyline. No, I feel like Werewolf by Night. That's kind of his the the, the younger version. Of Teen Wolf, it. you know. Yeah. Teen, yeah. Have, you seen, have you seen Teen Wolf? The movie, yes. Yeah, I've okay. seen the show. Yeah. Have you seen Teen Wolf two? I have not seen Teen Wolf two. Is Jason, it? Jason Bateman. Is that who it? They, they yeah, Jason Bateman. Jason Bateman. Well, because it's Teen Wolf two is. It's his cousin. Oh, I got to see this. Jason Bateman's his cousin. I got to see this. A while. So, so he goes to college, Team Wolf in college, <laughs> and he's a boxer. He, he joins the boxing team or whatever. And so, his first one's basketball. Second right. one's boxing. 
Um, but it's like, and they, they cast like a different, uh, one of the friends is the same actor. One of the friends is not the same actor. Interesting. Is what it was. It's on HBO Max. I mean, go at your own risk. Have, is what you, I say. have you seen Howling 2? Your sister is a I werewolf? Have not, I have oh, not seen Howling Amazing 2. film. But think, talk about Christopher Lee. He wears these like goofy ass sunglasses. It's mm-hmm. it, You just look up that shot and you'll, you'll, you'll die laughing. Um, it's not an amazing film. It's very cheesy, but it's it's fun watch. It's fun watch. Did Dante do that one or was he involved uh, no. anywhere? Okay. God, no. Uh, um, okay. I'm, I'm surprised I got Christopher Lee, but that's what makes it. Well, they've done a lot of different Howling movies, yeah, there was right? A, yeah, this is... I, I think it's I might have seen the like third rights. one, but they kept, they kept doing them. It's like rights issues, right? Yeah. They have to keep making them every so often. Oh, maybe so that it doesn't. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was something like that. Um, and how does this film fit with the monster movie genre, David? Um, yeah, I mean, like this this idea of um, kind of the monster within him uh, being yeah. this werewolf, but I mean, it's the curse. Uh, you know, the, the special effects that we talked about. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it hits the tropes of like. Uh, in in the sense of like people getting attacked by the monster, not, mm-hmm. and then the community kind of rallying together to defeat it. Um, yeah, I mean, I think just pre- pretty evident. And, and I mean, it deals with the werewolf, which is like a pretty yeah. like, centerpiece of a like a big cornerstone of of monsters, right? A monster, yeah. Because we, we we did uh we did the kind of creature undead last week, and now we're doing werewolves this week. And um, yeah, and we talked about practical effects too. I think this is again top tier practical effects with this with these monsters with the werewolf so and again it, it, I don't know if it's as about something as say Frankenstein was like in terms of thematic yeah if I you agree. read more into the kind of the the as I've been saying and, and haven't as researched as much as I should the Jewishness right. the Jewish like otherness or whatever that we're talking about you could put that in there of yeah. what it's trying to do um and maybe there is some sort of coming of age idea to it as well. I think he might be already, and maybe it is. I mean, he's going from like being kind of this college student to like possibly falling in love for the first time. So that's part of it. That's different and new. Um, yeah. So there's that. Well, cool. Is that it on American Werewolf in London? I think so, man. I think so. Next week, American Werewolf in Paris. No, uh, next week we're discussing. <laughs> that's, that's for the Patreon. That's Patreon. Uh, next week we're talking about the Predator. Correct. Yeah, yeah man. That well, was Predator. Predator. Wait, which one is it? Is it the Predators? Is they- <laughs> I was just thought- called Predator. That's what I thought. Okay. Yeah, you're like, we're talking about the Predator. Wait, we don't want to talk about the Shane Black one. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're talking about Predator from 1987, right. starring the Predator, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. God, you're like your face, like, wait, what? Yeah, like, I'm not doing the Shane Black one. Uh, no, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yes. Carl Weathers. A lot of great people. Shane Black, also in it. Yeah. I directed by John McTiernan. That'll be next week. Um, also, to the Patreon. I, in terms of scheduling, it's either has come out or is about to come out. We're, uh, Thompson and I did an episode on uh, Little Shop of Horrors from 1986. So check that out. Again, if you're, if you're, it's a good episode. It's a very, it's pretty much an exact episode, kind of like these. It's a very deep dive. This episode is more so than some of the other ones. Very much deep dive into the making of Little Shop of Horrors and kind of our thoughts on how it kind of ties to the monster movie genre. So check that out. Again, we have three tiers to the Patreon $1, $5, $10. You get new, ex- you get exclusive content to the Patreon and whatever you kind of put in there with the tier wise, the money wise, it, it goes to kind of help produce the show and help us keep the show going and our schedule so tight with these it's just, it's very beneficial to us so thank you so much for kind of supporting us and being part of the community for this show um 
but yeah, be sure to, if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to the podcast on, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, wherever your podcast. And uh, be sure to write us a review. You can review, I think, on Apple Podcasts mainly. Five stars would be great. We'd like to hear what you all think of the show so far, what the monster movies are doing for you. You can also email us about that, sinationpodcast.gmail.com. Um, but yeah, the reviews help us gain exposure. Uh, and just just write A plus on it. I don't care. Whatever you want to do, just whatever you do gain, helps gain traction for the show. So please do that if you can. And be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Letterboxd, all the wonderful social media apps or the social media apps you hate. Whatever you want to do. Um, but David, thanks so much for joining me as always. Thanks for having me, man. And thank you all for listening. Hope you listen to more episodes soon. Bye.